And ladies and gentlemen of the jury, the prosecution is not going to get that man today. No. Because I'm going to get him. Friday edition of the Hagman and Hagman Report. We are broadcasting live from Northwest Pennsylvania. We broadcast live each and every weekday, 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern Time on Global Star Radio Network. You can also watch us live on YouTube. We also simulcast on Blog Talk Radio. Uh, Blog Talk Radio. Uh, I'm Joe Hagman, the co-host, along with my father, Doug Hagman, and we have a fantastic show for you tonight. Folks, if you don't know where to find us on the Internet, bookmark our websites, HagmanandHagman.com, as well as HagmanReport.com. HagmanandHagman.com is our show site, where HagmanReport.com is for the latest news and information that is important uh, in this world we live in that continues to go along the crazy side. We have a great show lined up for you tonight. Hour one, James Wesley Rawls will be our guest from survivalblog.com. James Rawls is an American author best known for his survivalist genre, Patriots novel series. Uh, Rawls is a former U.S. Army intelligence officer. Then in hours two and three, the founder of Oath Keepers, Stuart Rhodes, will be our guest. We got a lot to get into with Stuart. You know, I'm gonna, I just I got to tell you, th- thanks for coming for me. You, you, you know, remember those old uh, television commercials with O.J. Simpson jumping over the luggage and turnstiles at uh, airports when when he wasn't the killer. Remember that? No, but I'm young. <laughs> right. Anyway, yeah, that was, that was my, that was my pace from the office to the studio. At any rate, uh, no, thanks for bringing us in. I had a long, uh, not a long, I had a very, 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 very good conversation with, uh, Oathkeeper's founder, Stuart Rhodes. Uh, folks, um, the two guests we have on tonight, James Wesley Rawls, survival blog. Pay attention, please, please, please pay attention. And Stuart Rhodes, founder of OathKeepers.org. There's heaviness in my heart tonight. Um, and that's all I'm going to say. I just, I, I have a very heavy heart. Not, not, I mean. Okay. Things aren't right. Go ahead. Yeah, uh, things are definitely, uh, you know, in turmoil, not only here domestically, but internationally, and both geopolitically and economically. And we're going, you know, we're continuing to see this divide among citizens here in our country after the Donald Trump victory in the election of 2016, as uh, protesters uh, and and violence is uh, intensifying and continues in a number of major cities. And... uh just a real, uh, you have an emotional breakdown of the left, if you will. Um, and there's a lot of interesting and, and humorous clips on YouTube and other outlets that show this breakdown. Well, let's get to our guest, um, survivalblog.com. Excellent blog. The daily web blog for prepared individuals. Um, 
Excellent. Story. Survival <clears throat> author and former Army Intelligence offer, Officer James Wesley Rawls is our guest, and he is with us. Mr. Rawls, welcome to the Hagman and Hagman Report. Thanks for having me on, gentlemen. Oh, it's our pleasure. You, you, I suspect you're going to have a world of uh, just tremendous rib-tickling news, right? Uh, your assessment of things, uh, I guess, are it's going to be good, right? Tell us a story. <laughs> no, I, I'm, I'm kidding around. Uh, how are you feeling about things, sir? I got to ask. Well, um, I have kind of mixed feelings about the, the current events. Uh, I don't think that Donald Trump was a perfect candidate, but the alternative was absolutely horrifying. Uh, to think that Hillary Clinton could have gotten in and could have packed the Supreme Court would pretty well put the last nail in the coffin of American liberty. And I was you... pleased to see that she was not elected, and now I'm just praying fervently that Donald Trump surrounds himself with freedom-loving, God-fearing men who are uh, strict constructionists on the Constitution, and that uh, both his federal court appointments and, uh, of course, Supreme Court appointments would reflect that. I totally agree with you. However, I, I mean, well, there's no however there. I, I guess what I'm looking at here, what I've been hearing, and I've been hearing this all day from different sources, that the Marxist left, um, the the communists that have infiltrated with into our government, uh, have big plans between now and Inauguration Day. I mean, you know, now I, I'm trying to temper the information that that I've gotten uh, with reality. And, and I mean, I'm not saying that, you know, I'm trying not to be hyperbolic or, you know, use hyperbole, but I, I do believe that we face some pretty formidable threats despite the mandate that put Donald Trump in office, without respect to Trump as yeah. uh, Trump the man, but but the movement. That, I, I don't believe these these Marxist Marxist Leninist communists in in our government are going to cede power willingly. I mean, they're wounded, they're cornered, they got a death grip on power, and I just feel that we, we are still as a nation in in danger, and that's kind of where I'm at today. Well, I have to agree with you that that there'll be resistance. Uh, my my act, my fear, is that beyond that, regardless of the protests that are made, or or even calls for a recount, or uh, uh, perhaps uh, trying to to force uh, some electoral college uh, delegates into changing their votes. Beyond that, I, I think the greatest fear that I that I have is that the powers that be who had anointed Hillary Clinton as the the next president didn't get their way and because of that they are probably willing to see our entire economy crash rather than see uh, Donald Trump Institute his planned policies of scaling back government. They, the powers that be, are absolutely addicted to power and to big government, and they don't want to give it up. 
And like I say, they would they would actually prefer to crash the system to ensure that Trump doesn't have the opportunity to scale back the government, uh, rather than yeah. simply you know quietly giving up power. Yeah, and we've had uh, economists come on the show and lay out scenarios uh, in the, just the few past weeks that, that said if Trump wins, uh, it's a, a very real possibility that they will. Um, do something to tank the economy uh, to make to put Trump off on a very rocky start, and that yes, you know, it, all it would have... take is a change in interest rates, and that could be manipulated very easily. We've gone from uh, zero interest rate policy to negative interest rate policy. Rates are artificially low right now, and all it would take is them allowing rates to rise to to more natural levels, say four or five percent. Inflate, uh, interest rates and uh, for the core rate, and at that point, it would be very difficult for our government to even service the national debt. And a rise in interest rates, of course, would absolutely tank the stock market, and it would throw uh, the whole uh, the value of the U.S. dollar into question. We could very well see a repudiation of the dollar in international trade, and the dollar could take an absolute drubbing on the forex. Yeah, yeah, you're absolutely right. And we also have uh, a period of time here, uh, as Donald Trump is the president-elect until Obama leaves office, which is January 20th, and uh, Trump will then be inaugurated. Uh, from your research and anything that you've been hearing, uh, is there anything to indicate that Obama will make some kind of bold moves or attempts uh, to change things. Well, or nothing, nothing concrete. You know, I've heard people talk and say that perhaps he might stage some massive event that would that would forestall seating the new president. But I don't think that would that would fly. Not with the mood in the United States right now. Even if they were to try to uh, institute martial law in the aftermath of some huge crisis, some terrorist attack, or some staged Reichstag fire-type event, I, I, I don't think it's going to fly. But, yeah, okay. but I do think, uh, as, as I mentioned before, that there, there very well could be an attempt to crash the economy shortly after Trump takes office, and it would all be, bra- be blamed on him, just like uh, they, they're blaming Brexit for the economic turmoil and the decline of the British pound right now. It's, you know, I think we'll see something analogous, at least. Yes, and we know the conditions are ripe. Uh, many uh, economists say that the uh, conditions are much worse than they were before the crash crash of '08, when we saw the housing market bubble burst, as well as uh, a number of other things that... that um, made the the, mm-hmm. the administration uh take emergency measures and and, and get in getting into tarp um you know that was uh, a big political um <laughs> i don't even know what Cluster, you call it. Yes, well, that's cluster exactly and you, you finish it you know uh, and, and so you know the, with the volatility and the level of uncertainty in this country uh you you run a survival blog folks and we're talking with James Wesley Rawls of survivalblog.com yeah and if i can if i can just say this uh mr rawls your website 
And folks, for listeners out there, Joe and I, we each have different websites and we go to for news, right? I mean, in, yeah. in the morning, you're a late night guy. I'm an early morning guy. I got to tell you, both of us have survivalblog.com bookmarked on our computers, as does all of our staff. We, we check your website daily, filled with vital information. And, um, I just want to interject. Well, thank you. That. I, I appreciate that. Well, you know, I, I do you, encourage your listeners to take full advantage of the resources that I have on my site. It's all available free, the entire archives that date back now 11 years. And there's thousands of articles and column items and letters that detail family preparedness steps. And I think those steps are going to be very, very important in the near future, especially if there is a staged collapse of the U.S. economy. And I think we have a window of opportunity here for a a month or two where families can play catch-up and get their beans, bullets, and band-aids squared away before things do fall apart. It's important that people hedge out of U.S. dollars, get out of their dollar-denominated investments, and hedge into silver, hedge into common caliber ammunition, and perhaps a bit into Swiss francs. If the, you say if the that dollar so calmly, does I what it. I think <laughs> it's going to do on the Forex, the, the greatest gain will be if you parlay your, your dollars into Swiss francs right now. Okay. Um, a, a couple of fake passports and uh, yeah, Swiss francs uh, in, in your vault wouldn't... Uh, wouldn't hurt any. I, I'm I'm joking about that, but no. What you're saying about the uh, about parlaying into Swiss francs is is really an interesting concept. Now, you know what? Allow me to ask the most basic question: How do you do that? What do you do? Just if you had, for example, five thousand dollars in your hand, you could just go to the yeah. Bank and say, well, the easiest way is, is say someone who's listening to this show runs a home-based business and they or they they run a, a contracting business and they take some of their payments by PayPal. A lot of those people are going to have a positive balance at any given time. There's an option in PayPal where if you just click on currencies and then add the Swiss franc as a currency on your account, then you simply do a, a balance transfer uh, it's, it's basically moving money from one pocket to another. It, it's still your money but you're redenominating it into Swiss francs. Wow. And right now you can you can parlay Swiss francs or dollars into Swiss francs at the rate of around um a dollar and 3 cents per Swiss franc. When I started buying Swiss francs years ago, they cost 78 cents. The uh, Swiss franc has gone up considerably, uh, especially with the recent turmoil in the euro. But I think or, this is just really the beginning. I think that in the long term, it'll probably take a dollar fifty to buy a Swiss franc, and that may be as long as two years. There. So you can do it through PayPal. You can okay. also go to the uh, to a currency desk um, at any international terminal of, of any major airport and buy Swiss francs, or you can buy Swiss franc denominated travelers checks through any bank. If you if you give them enough time, they can order them in for you. Okay. Wow. The, the PayPal. <coughs> excuse me. The PayPal. Um, I'm going through puberty here. Uh, the, the 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 PayPal aspect. Uh, I, I never thought of that, but obviously, you know, commerce positive. Yeah, PayPal something that your listeners can do in as little as one minute. All they have to do at, oh. the, at the end of this show, if they're sitting on a positive PayPal balance, figure out what 
what they can spare, because obviously you don't want to use that money for regular expenses because it would have to be turned back into U.S. dollars, and you're going to pay for that transaction as well. But if you're if you're sitting on some extra money in PayPal that you're not going to need in the immediate future, I w- would recommend that you just select Swiss francs as your secondary currency and go ahead and do a conversion. It's something you can do in less than a minute. Interesting. Wow. You, you are you are filled with uh, great advice. And by the way, folks, Mr. Rawls is an accomplished author. Yeah, I was just going to say we can... I'd like to switch gears here, if we could, and talk about some of your books. I believe that your latest books, uh, your latest book, if I'm correct here, is, uh, uh, oh goodness, where is it? Survive the End of the World as I Know It? Or, or yeah, the novel, Survival and the Well, collapse. actually, I, I've got uh, several nonfiction books and, and six different novels now. My latest novel is called Land of Promise, and that's the first novel in my new Counter-Caliphate Chronicle series. But um, yeah, I, I do encourage people to read my books, but it's really secondary to the more important message, which is get on Survival Blog and take a look at family preparedness articles there and put those articles into action. It's really time to, to get up out of your armchair, folks, and get prepared. You really need to have an honest three or four month supply of food as a very minimum on hand for your your family. You need to have weapons, the training to go with those weapons, communications equipment, first aid gear, the training to go with that gear, and so forth. So I'm, I'm my purpose for for doing radio interviews is not to sell books. It's I'm tickled when people buy them and it, it you know provides some great feedback, but. My main purpose for being here, talking with your listeners right now, is to wake them up and get them prepared. It is really time to stock up and team up and train up, because time is short. I, I like that, yeah. stock up, team up, and train up. Time is, time is very short. Um, uh, James, where do you want to go from here? Uh, do you want to get into practical survival uh Techniques sure, and practices. I, I, I prefer to do that, in fact, um, because at this point, uh, trying to ha- have any further conjecture on, on current events is really, you know, grasping at straws, because so much of it is outside of our, our control as individuals. I'm not saying we're at the mercy of our environment, but we do need to be proactive about being able to survive whatever comes our way. And it's really important, again, you know, beans, bullets, and band-aids for, for families to get squared away logistically, to team up with their neighbors, and to make contingency plans. Because we're going to very rapidly go from a deflationary environment to a massive inflationary environment. In fact, we might even see simultaneous inflation and deflation in the months to come, where uh, we're going to see mass inflation of the currency, but at the same time, some asset classes like uh, technology stocks or, and asset classes like uh, residential real estate and commercial real estate might continue to go down in value. And that kind of economic environment is really unprecedented 
And it's really going to throw a lot of people for a loop. They really won't know how to cope. And it's only the people who have hedged into tangibles and into precious metals who are really going to be able to survive and thrive. Okay. Uh, we have about five minutes before the break, and if we can, I like to do this with uh, people who specialize in, in your area of expertise, uh, you know, surviving, survivalism. Say we're talking with people out there who have had and taken no preparation to uh, uh, for any possible calamity, whether it's a natural disaster or some kind of nationwide issue that stops the um, chain of supply and demand. Um, you know, people won't be able to go to the grocery stores. Their bank say there's a bank run. Where would where would a family start or a person start? Uh, we hear water, water, food, water first. Yeah, water is probably number one on the list. But uh, the, the the key item there is water filtration, because you can usually find water from open sources. But making sure that water is drinkable and not going to make you sick is is crucial. So every family should have a good quality water filter, and in fact, two. A compact filter, like a Katahdin uh, combi filter, is a, is a good one. And then for your kitchen, you should have a large gravity filter, like a Big Berkey or a Big Berkey clone. And in my blog, again, at survivalblog.com, I actually have instructions on how to build your own Berkey clone using five-gallon plastic buckets and uh, commercially available off-the-shelf ceramic filter elements. And instead of costing you three or four hundred dollars, you can do the whole thing for less than a hundred dollars. Okay. So water filtration, water filtration is crucial. And then beyond that, people need to think in terms of the staple foods that they use on already use on a regular basis. Things like. Um, pasta and rice and beans and uh, flour, that sort of thing. You need to stock up on that in quantity, get a hold of vermin-proof containers, and there you need to have uh, food-grade five- or six-gallon plastic buckets. Those are often available free at your local bakery. Uh, or the bakery department of your of your grocery store, you might want to ask, do you have any five-gallon buckets available? And they'll probably say, oh, sure, let me go grab a couple for you. Um, or they'll either be free or just a dollar or two. Uh, you could also order them through any of the major uh, vendors that do food storage. And you don't have to buy commercially packaged foods. The, the per-calorie unit price on those is fairly high comparing compared to buying bulk foods and packaging it yourself. And again, at my blog, I describe several different methods, including a dry ice method and a method with uh, oxygen-absorbing packets of how people can store their own food safely, Uh, again, in vermin-proof containers and in a way where you won't open the buckets two or three years later and find them full of weevils. I, I, I'll make a, I, folks, I've got to make a confession. It was because of, uh, survivalblog.com that through James, the, the advice of James Rawls that I actually made my first purchase of, uh, the food grade white buckets with, you know, those, um, and I, I'm trying to remember the, uh, I bought two of them. Uh, boy, am I prepared, right? Oh, they two of them. Seal lids? That, those things, yes. 
Yes. <laughs> that, and, yeah. and, and, uh, and that yep. is the lid I, I, I prefer. It's, it's called a gamma seal lid. Uh, it's a what they call a spinner lid where it's threaded and it has an O-ring seal, and it's designed to be repeatedly removed and resealed. It's certainly much easier than using a lid wrench uh, right. to, to pry lids off of five-gallon buckets. And again, and, and, gamma seal yeah. lids are available from a, a number of different mail order vendors, including some advertisers on my site. Or you can even find them uh, through eBay. Just uh, again, it's gamma, G A M M A seal lids. That's right. And I'm amazed. And I guess I was going to wait until uh, later to talk about the all of well, all of what you said about the 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 thousands of articles. Um, instructional articles on your website free of charge. You know, people, uh, um, people, all, many people come to us and say, well, you know, I can't afford to buy books and, uh, you know, um, uh, direct me, point me in the direction. And, and your website has the information right there. And I'm just. Yeah, in the, fact, I have a, a special page for newbies. Uh, if they look in the left-hand bar at survivalblog.com, there's a link titled Getting Started, and that's a page that's designed specifically for people who are just getting started at preparedness for their family. And, I would, you, I would you, recommend that uh, as a starting point. And, and, yeah, you've done this. What a wonderful – in fact, I just uh, clicked on that and uh, – um, the the wealth of information that's there because we do have a lot of people who listen to us who are just coming on board, uh, you know, new listeners. And uh, frankly, we have a lot of people who listen to us that are listening from mobile homes or apartments, small spaces, whatever they might, whatever the case might be, are infirmed, and a number of people who are alone that have no support whatsoever family wise yeah. so this brings a lot to me uh this brings a lot of hope and a lot of instruction a lot of inspiration to those people. well yes even someone who's on a modest budget say a college student or a retiree can make some very substantive steps to get squared away and within just a, a few days of preparing and again, on a very modest budget, you're going to be head and shoulders above most of your neighbors because the average American family only has about a three-day supply of food on hand. James, and that's kind of a that frightening thought. statistic. We're, we're up against our, our break, and we'll pick up right where we left off here. The average American has only three days' worth of food. And can you imagine Sadly. if everything goes dark and there was no ability to get any f- resources, what the world would look like or the country would look like in or your house five. would look like we'll be right back with james rest james wesley rawls right after these short messages stay with us This fantastic Friday edition of the Hagman and Hagman Report. James Wesley Rawls is our guest until the end of this hour. Survivalblog.com is his website. We're going to get back to him in just a second. But first, we have an announcement. We want to thank all of the veterans out there, all the sacrifices that they have made over the years, uh, them and their families. Um, And our sponsor, American Survival Wholesale, 
has a special Veterans Day pack. Folks, go to americansurvivalwholesale.com and check out their 2016 Veterans Day pack. It's a it's a Veterans Day food special, limited time offer, which has a layaway plan available, 90-day layaway plan, $100 down. Uh, the whole uh, price for this pack is $369. And you will save over 50% on a great assortment of some of your favorite meals. You'll receive over two months of meals for one person, including chocolate milk, angel hair noodles, real cheddar potatoes, creamy southern-style mashed potatoes, savory black beans and rice, chicken vegetable stew, tender elbow pasta, creamy cinnamon and rice pudding, a total of 740 servings for only $369. Again, there's a 90-day layaway plan available with $100 down and the remainder 269 due in 90 days. You can email Chance at bugoutamerica at usa.com or give him a call, 818-720-0759. We want to thank American Survival Wholesale for the way that they treat our audience and what they do for the veterans out there. And again, a, a very uh, gracious thank you to all the veterans out there. Um, American Survival Wholesale's Veterans Day Food Special. Go to americansurvivalwholesale.com for more details on that. We're going to get back to our guest, Mr. James Wesley Rawls of survivalblog.com. Before the break, you were talking about how most American families have only three days' worth of food in their homes. Yes, that's right. And it really is frightening to think that um, with that level of preparedness, how quickly people will revert to lawlessness once their food is expended or, or once they don't have a reliable source of drinking water, I think large numbers of people are going to end up as refugees, and a, a certain percentage of those, and at this point unknown percentage of those people, are going to end up preying on others. So it's important that people also be squared away in terms of self-defense. I'm a big believer in the Second Amendment, and I do think that a, uh, a getting firearms in common calibers is probably your best bet and stocking up plenty of ammunition because that ammunition is also going to end up being a very valuable barter item. Can, so can I, I, ask I you, think uh, that uh, yeah. the calibers to concentrate on for most yeah. Americans would be things like for pistols, uh, 9mm, 357 Magnum, 40 Smith and Wesson and 45 automatic for rifles uh, 223 308 and uh, perhaps some um, either 7.62 by 39 or 5.45 by 39 for the AK47 and the AK74 would be uh, ideal uh, as a all-around caliber there's nothing beats 22 long rifle in quantity and perhaps lay away some, some uh, set aside some 22 magnum and for shotguns stick with just standard 12 gauge and 20 gauge and you'll want plenty of bird shot and a decent supply of buckshot and slugs and I'm not being uh, facetious when I ask this question but how much ammunition how much ammunition is enough I mean, well, for me, the comfort, my minimum comfort level would be a thousand rounds for every handgun and fifteen hundred rounds for every rifle. 
every battle rifle at least. Uh, for hunting rifles, uh, probably as little as two or three hundred rounds for, for say, uh, scope bolt action. Those would be the minimums. But again, if you end up stocking too much ammunition, there really can never be too much because right. the common caliber ammunition is going to be more desirable than gold in the short term. Interesting. And I, and I do believe that. Now let's get back to your pantry three-day food uh, remark. Well, I'm going to ask you this. We, 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 what we often talk about long-term uh, storable food. But in your pantry, in the Rawls home pantry, or someone similar like yourself, um, six months worth of worth of food before you have to tap into, we'll say, the long-term storable food. Do you think, or three months? Well, um, I would say you want to have at least three months of just regular staple foods on hand as a bare minimum. But beyond that, you should probably stock up in bulk on additional staple foods and things like hard red winter wheat. You'll need a wheat grinder to go with that so you can grind your own flour. Uh, pasta, rice, beans, sugar, honey in, in quantity. Uh, most of those store very long term with the exception of beans. Uh, beans tend to get too hard after 8 or 10 years of storage. They can only be cooked with a pressure cooker after they've been in storage that long, if you're buying dried beans. Sure. But um, beyond that, uh, it's important that families stock up multivitamins in quantity. And uh, I, I think it is also wise to have a, a smaller quantity of very compact, complete meals like MREs or the commercial equivalent to MREs on hand as kind of a bug-out bag type supplies. And to ensure nutritional adequacy in the very long term, if you have a good budget, you should also be buying uh, some freeze-dried foods, things like Mountain House uh, freeze-dried entrees, those are usually packed in what's called a number 10 can, which is about about a gallon in size. And uh, those are designed for storage for up to 30 years. Again, the, the cost per meal is a little bit higher for those. But you don't want to get into a situation where you have children uh, in particular or, or people who have uh, particular uh, dietary problems who simply... Uh, lose interest in eating. If all they're eating is just wheat, rice, and beans, meal after meal after meal, uh, you can actually see some people losing weight if uh, if they're on a, a limited diet like that. So you want to have some variety in your diet and uh, freeze-dried entrees uh, like the Mountain House Foods or, or some of the equivalents uh, from other companies I think are a wise thing to buy. Um. James, when we're talking about water, uh, we had a guest on last week who, who told us about a system that he had of collecting, uh, rainwater. And, um, mm-hmm. if we could get, in, get into this a little bit, um, what would you recommend as the best way, you know, average family lives in the city, uh, you know, houses kind of close together, have their own house and garage, and, uh, ha- have room for you know the ability to dig 
uh, dig up the ground a little bit and store tanks uh, for water un- underneath the the ground. Um, what would you say? Yeah, or what storing would you water for an extended water period of time is is really not practical for most people uh, because you. It would really require installing some really large cisterns to make that work. What I recommend people do is that they set up their roofs. Uh, if they have a, already have a metal roof, that they set up rain gutters and set up downspout converters. You can buy those mail order so that you can, after each, during each rainstorm, you can kind of have a, you can have a bypass valve where you flush the, uh, the downspout system at first, and then the, you you turn the bypass valve, and then you're going to fill rain barrels. And then, okay. of course, you want to treat that water uh, through a, a good quality filter, and also keep um, plain old Clorox bleach on hand. Uh, just plain hypochlorite bleach is the stuff to use. Okay, and you know we we've heard and know as standard practice that each person should have. I think it's two gallons of, of clean water per person per day. Uh, what would you say is the right, recommended and that's amount? Just for, yeah, that's just for drinking and cooking. If you're going to also have extra water on hand for toilet flushing yes. and for, for showering, uh, you'll need much more than two gallons per day. But two gallons is the, is the bare minimum that you'll need on hand. And again, you'll need to have a good quality water filter for your family to ensure that the water that you're going to use to, to drink and to cook with is is going to be safe to use. Okay. Um, some tips uh, that you might be able to share with our audience that they might be unfamiliar with or we might be unfamiliar with. Um, simple little tips on how to... Um, Make surviving, you know, as, be as effective as you can while surviving. Whether that's from gathering water well, to, I mean, aside from what you yeah, said, I, yeah, I, yeah, go ahead. I would say that um, for say your your typical listener probably lives in the suburbs rather than in the country, and I, I think the important thing to look look ahead to is disruption of the power grid, and so you need to think through where you're going to get water. Where you, how you're going to transport that water. Uh, typically, what, what I recommend is that people get a garden cart and some five-gallon plastic water cans, uh, like the military surplus ones. Uh, they're typically either black or tan color, and you can buy those at military surplus stores. You need to think ahead in terms of where you're going to find water, how you're going to transport it, and then even security for the team that's going to be uh, going to transport that water, you don't want to get bushwhacked while you're just out collecting water. And you need to be able to be to hunker down in your house for an extended period of time. You'll need to have some storage foods that don't require cooking or where you can cook them with a low signature where you're only going to use, say, a, a propane stove. Uh, so you're not going to have a, a, a huge fire in your backyard. You don't want to be attracting attention. And also think in terms of having a really good quality sleeping bag for every member of the family. Because if the power grid is down, you're probably going to be a situation where you're not going to be able to heat your house. And if things fall apart in wintertime, you need to have a, a, 
expedition-style sleeping bag. The brand I recommend is made by a company called Wiggies, W-I-G-G-Y-S. They're out of Grand Junction, Colorado. And they make a, a um, sleeping bag system that actually has two, two sleeping bags, one inside the other. And with both bags together, they're rated for zero degrees. So you can, you can be warm and toasty even if your house is only 30 or 40 degrees. How, how do you feel uh, about whole house generators, the kind that run off of natural gas for people living yes, in the uh, suburbs or city? Okay, go ahead. If you're living in a situation where your neighbors will also have generators, they're probably recommended. But if you're the only person in a neighborhood that has a generator, you're going to end up being uh, running a great big come loot me beacon. Gotcha. You don't want to be someone who sticks out as as unusual. If, if you look like you're better prepared than your neighbors, you're going to make yourself a target if you're in a typical urban or suburban environment. If you're out in the country where everybody has a generator, it's fine. Otherwise, I, I would recommend a silent generator, a photovoltaics for your house, rather than a propane or natural gas fire generator or a diesel fire generator. Yeah. And I ju- definitely don't recommend gasoline engine generators because of the short storage life of gasoline and also the you know the higher flammability. Right. Yeah. And yeah, I had a I lived in one place where a neighbor had uh, a gas generator, which uh, and that was a problem storing the gas. I mean, it, it you lose what like an octane a month or something or octane. Um, is that right? Um, Whatever it is, I mean, it's it's certainly not a long-term storable commodity. Uh, no, it's not, and you're going to go through a tremendous amount of gasoline very quickly. And it's, it's in most suburban environments, unless you have an underground tank, it really isn't safe to have twenty or thirty-five gallon gasoline cans sitting there. It's a yep. it's a explosion risk, especially if there are bullets flying around. So uh, uh, natural gas where it's piped in from a civic supply or propane where you have a a above-ground propane tank or an underground propane tank is ideal. If it's above ground, you should probably build a cinder block wall around that tank to give it a little bit of ballistic protection and keep it out of sight. I also recommend that if you have a, a propane tank, that when you have it installed, you ask the company to also supply what's called a wet leg. And a wet leg is a device that attaches to the valve assembly of the tank that allows you to fill smaller propane tanks from a large propane tank. You know, like your typical uh, barbecue oven, uh, barbecue, uh, backyard barbecue tanks are a 20 pound cylinder. If you have a wet leg, for your main propane tank, you can fill smaller tanks, and that will give you great versatility in terms of having portable propane or giving you the ability to, to barter some of your propane. Okay. Um, let's switch gears, if we can, to uh, what we see in America and we've seen over the, you know, the course of, of our uh, recent history is small mom-and-pop stores being run out of business by companies like Walmart and other uh, big business uh, corporations. Um, What can people do to 
you know, bridge the gap between their local farmers and themselves. I mean, I know there's farmers markets, you have, uh, you know, yes. different food stands, but what can people do, A, on their own to be more proactive in gardening and using the space they have to, to grow their own food? Well, well, it's important that people have their own gardens and that they, um, that they put as much of their backyard into production as possible, even if it means ripping out a lawn. Go ahead and get started in gardening. It takes a lot of practice. It takes time to learn what varieties of garden seeds do well in particular climate zones. There's a learning curve, and you definitely want to master that learning curve now when you know, you're in a situation where if you have a crop failure, you could basically laugh at yourself and say, oh, well, boy, I really messed that one up. If you wait until after everything hits the fan and you have a crop failure, you're starving. So you need to, again, master that learning curve now rather than later. What, what I think it's very the- important that people get involved with their local farmer's market and don't just attend the market and and buy things there, but get to know the farmers themselves. Find out where they're located, if they're in reasonable driving distance to you. Develop personal relations relationships with those farmers, so that you that you'll be on a first name basis with them. Because there may come a day when they're with they're hunkered down, they're only going to be willing to do business with people they know they can trust. You're absolutely right. Um, for people who are planting their own gardens, what are what would you recommend as uh, things they should plant to maximize their uh, abilities? Well, I think that root crops like uh, potatoes and turnips are some of the easiest to grow. They have some of the best yields per acre, and they're also fairly foolproof for beginners. A lot of the other crops, uh, a lot of the row crops, are are, are, are have some some drawbacks for uh, from a preparedness standpoint. Uh, they, if you have row crops of corn, that's something that your neighbors are going to see growing from a distance, and it's going to be a, a lucrative target for sneak thieves, and, or might even make you a target for a home invasion. But low-lying root crops really don't look like much from a distance, uh, not to the untrained eye anyway. So I think crops, again, like, like potatoes and turnips, I think are some of the, the best things that people can, can grow to maximize yield on small acreage. Got it. Okay. Okay. Now, to step back, I got a couple, we got a couple, the studio had, uh, I've gotten a couple of emails here. And we got asked this question. Yeah. Yeah. And, and folks, our guest, uh, James Wesley Rawls, survivalblog.com, um, just a best selling author, but a noted survivalist. In fact, if you, if you just check his profile on Wikipedia itself, not that, you know, we do that, but, uh, um, the granddaddy, the 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 founder, the 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 face of the prepper prepper movement, according to Wikipedia. But having said all that, we started out the show kind of in a, uh, a dark area. But I I have to ask um, if if what you're saying is if, if if we have an economic collapse, what would you say would be the period of time that we're going to have to re- we're going to be in a period of disarray? Um, abnormal living, cut off from 
you know, everything in your estimation? Well, Mr. Hagman, I think it, it all depends on the, the scenario. If we have a grid-down collapse, we very well might have a collapse that lasts for years and years. If the power grid stays up, we might end up with a situation that's roughly analogous to the Great Depression of the 1930s, which was still incredibly uncomfortable, but the majority of people lived through that. Now, unfortunately, though, we're in a situation where, unlike in the 1930s, where, say, 20 or 30 percent of the people were actively involved and actively engaged in farming or fishing or ranching, now we have 1% of the population feeding the other 99%. So I think the amount of disruption and the amount of starvation that takes place, even if we have a, a, a depression that plays out, a deflationary depression that plays out just like the depression of the 1930s, will be much more traumatic. And we also have a society that has far less respect for personal property and we also have a society with a huge number of people who are chemically dependent. And those chemically dependent people are, are going to come unglued if their supply of medications, whether they're prescription medications or whether they're self-medicating with illicit drugs, uh, if that, those supplies are disrupted, we're going to see a lot of people um, becoming mentally imbalanced and uh, a great danger to society. So I think it's important that people plan for a worst case that will go on for not just months but years. And I realize that most people are not in a situation to be able to cope with that where they're currently living, so they need to have a bug-out plan. And if, if any of your listeners have country cousins who are, who are living in agricultural areas and hopefully engaged in agriculture, you really need to, to team up with them immediately, pre-position food, clothing, gardening tools. Um, a, a good portion of your logistics need to be pre-positioned at that home, and you need to be ready to team up with that other family to help provide mutual security and extra labor, because if they're having to revert to traditional agriculture, if there's a disruption of the power grid and of bulk fuels and bulk fertilizers, uh, they may need a lot of manpower very quickly. So get to know your country cousins. Well said. Great advice survivalblog.com Mr. Rawls, one final closing question. We know that you've got so, so many uh, informational pieces instructional uh, articles at your website survivalblog.com If someone has a special needs or circum- set of circumstances do you provide consulting on an individual basis? Uh, yes I do, but I do recommend that people take full advantage of the archives of my blog Again, they're fully searchable. They date back 11 years, and there is no super-secret members-only area. The entire archives are available free of charge. I recommend that people do topical searches on food storage and first aid and communications, whatever. And when they find the most important articles, they should print out hard copies of those. And every family should have a a set of reference binders 
starting with a collection of, of recipes. You need to have uh, the manuals for all of your tools and equipment, uh, any of your appliances, your generator, your chainsaw, all that equipment. You should have all those manuals put together in one place in a binder. And then you should print out references from that you find from the Internet at sites like, like my own, at like survivalblog.com. Print out those most important articles and have them in hard copy because the Internet may not be available at some point in the future. If we're in a grid-down situation, you'll need hard copy. Now, a, a lot of the information from the first few years of my blog was di put in a digest form in a book called How to Survive the End of the World as We Know It. But again, I'm not here on your show to promote my books, but if, if people want to get kind of a head start or... Uh, save the time on printing out articles from my blog, they can buy a copy of that book. And used copies, by the way, are often available through Amazon.com uh, for as little as 2 or $3. So take full advantage of uh, my website. Get the hard copy references, folks. They may save your lives. My brother, I'll tell you something. You have been a, a voice of reason, a stable voice here. I, I, I love how you deliver the information without overstating or understating what's taking place. Instructional, informational, and inspirational. Survivalblog.com. Folks, James Wesley Rawls, thank you so very much, sir. Thank you. Thank you for coming on board and giving us your gracious well, gift. Well, thank you. Thank you, too. And I, I pray the 91st Psalm for you and all your listeners. God bless you. Amen. Thank you. Wow. Folks, we're going to be right Wesley back. James Wesley Rawls, yeah. survivalblog.com. When we come oh. back from our break, founder of Oath Keepers, Stuart Rhodes, will be with us from the top of this next hour till the end of the program. Do not go anywhere. gentlemen to this edition of the Hagman and Hagman Report. I want to thank each and every one of you. First and foremost, I want to thank every man and woman who has served in our military. Today is Veterans Day in honor of the veterans. Of course, we open up with that. But again, thank you. You know, thank you not just to you who served, but to your families as well for Absolutely. the sacrifices they've made. And you know, I extend this Veterans Day, in my mind anyway, not just to the military, although that's obviously, you know, its origins, but I look at members of our police forces as well. And I'm talking about the, the street cops, the beat cops, the police officers that, uh, you know, every time they walk out the door, they don't know whether they're coming back. And I know you've seen battle as well. But, but again, to, to our veterans and their families, thank you. Uh, thank you. And please, you know what? If you know a veteran, and I know it's late at night, please extend your thanks. Do something nice for them. Uh, we owe them beyond gratitude. I mean, it's just, it, really, we do. Folks, I want to, uh, 
I just want to just mention one other thing too. Did you know my daughter is just a fantastic, amazing photographer? Well, she is, and she is. She's, she's got this amazing series of photographs. And Joe, you made a joke the other day about she was a good sport when you threw her in the when you threw her in the cages of uh, the wildlife, and that was I thought that was I keep thinking about that. <laughs> but but you know, God has some beautiful and exotic creatures. Jackie has teamed up with JD and his wife, JD's wife Bridget, uh, over at blessedayever.com. That's blessedayever.com, and they've created this amazing wearable collection with different designs and different products like T-shirts and pillows and hats and coffee mugs, and, and they're creating new things every week. Uh, go to blessedayever.com and look for the Jackie Hagman collection. Yeah, she, she got a kick out of that when it's the Jackie Hagman collection. She's like, well, it was just funny. Um, blessedayever.com. What a great idea. And, you know, why advertise Ralph Lauren, the, the, you know, the little polo, um, or, or, or those creepy Illuminati glorifying companies when you can be a living billboard f- for your faith? Yeah, when I was in school, everybody was so caught up and, you know, you have to have name brand clothes. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, you get out of high school and you get a little bit older, you realize that you just want to wear what's comfy and, and what, what looks nice regardless of what the brand is. But if you're going to be wearing something that is advertising for somebody else, you think of celebrities and, uh, even race car driving. You know, the race cars are full of, of different, uh, companies that pay to have their logos and, and names on those race cars. And people pay, companies pay celebrities to wear yeah. shirts that, you know, have different name brands. You see on the red carpet, who are you wearing? Who are you wearing? So, well, this is your opportunity, uh, to advertise the gospel. That's right. Be a living billboard for your faith. Blessedayever.com. Blessedday. Oh, and you know what? 10% off, Joe. 10% discount with using the promo code Hagman. So I just want to give a thank great you, shout out. JD, thank you so much. Uh, Bridget, thank you. And of course, my wonderful daughter, Jackie. Now, um, folks, you've heard of Oathkeepers. Oathkeepers.org. You know the, you know the organization. Stuart Rhodes, you know the name, the founder of Oathkeepers.org. He's been on our show in the past. Yes, he uh, has. It's been a little while. Yep. And we have him back here this evening as we are looking at another uh, consecutive night of anti-Trump protests oh, from New York City to man. Atlanta. Uh, so much going on. Yeah, and I, I will say this. I wrote an article. It appears on, it's right now active on the cover of CanadaFreePress.com as well as HagmanReport.com about the Marxist threat we face from within. I had the opportunity, uh, to, uh, speak with Mr. Rhodes, uh, earlier, right before the show. And we spoke, well, he spoke about, uh, we both did about the threat from within and the dangerous times, which we're in between now and inauguration and the anti-Trump sentiment, the anti-American sentiment. Uh, folks, the threat is not over. These, these, these communist infiltrators, the infiltrators that have, infil- that have gone, um, or made their way into government, the criminal cabal of globalists and, and, uh, they're, they're not, to me, I don't believe they're going to cede their power easily. No, and there's things like, uh, you know, Obama trying to push the TPP through yep. before the end of, uh, his term. Um, he's got some more, uh, gun oh. issues on, with gun rights. He's just recently issued a executive order dealing with, um, uh, biological threats. And I have it up here. The uh, advancing the global health security agenda to achieve a world safe and secure from infectious diseases and threats. 
um, expect more executive orders and uh, you know changes that are, are rushed in as the next two months without a Hillary Clinton presidency in the future he is probably feeling the pressure of needing to finish an agenda that he has been carrying on since he's been in office. Well, the man with the uh, finger, with his finger on the pulse of what's going on is, uh, of course, Stuart Rhodes from Oathkeepers, oathkeepers.org. Visit that site. They've got some terrific uh, um, informational articles there. And without any further ado, Mr. Stuart Rhodes, welcome to the Hagman Report. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. Oh man, you know it's good to have, it's good to talk with you. Um, we've heard so much about you, your organization here in the past uh, well, in the past couple of years. You're doing a great service in our estimation by holding the people who have taken an oath to the Constitution, holding their feet to the fire to the extent that they need to uphold the tenets of the Constitution. And we just want to say thank you for for that and for your active uh, man you know you're right on the money with uh, uh, with holding these these, the people with the power accountable to the people so thank you Um, where do you want to start tonight there's so much going on well we can start with I think it would be good to start with um, you know for context why the Democrats lost it could be useful for understanding what's going to happen um, and I think the, one of the main reasons they lost is they spent eight years demonizing anybody who dared to question anything Obama did. Um, like, look at myself during the Bush years. I criticized the Bush administration uh, pretty, pretty, um, pretty strongly for the Patriot Act and for many of the, the expansions of executive power um, during the you know post nine eleven. Um, but when Obama came in and he was doing almost the exact same thing and even worse when I criticized him all of a sudden now I've become a racist which is just complete garbage and I think what, the, what happened with the left is they believed that they had already consolidated enough to gain a majority through through illegal immigration um, and also through uh, manipulation of, of populations that they like blacks and Hispanics so they want to you know, condition to think that they only have a home in the Democratic Party. So part of their, their their way of doing that is to convince them that all of us, anybody else who speaks up against their their ideals, is somehow racist. You know, never never um, never willing to to take you on your own your argument on, your, on its own terms, what you actually are arguing or, or, state, or standing for. So I think, but they spent all that time demonizing everyone, and so uh, at least half the country now looks at them as illegitimate liars with no goodwill, um, who are their to the death enemies, and so we have no uh, no common cause with them, and and no interest in anything they have to say, and of course no interest in voting for their candidates. You know, and then they, and then they cheated Bernie Sanders out. He was the you know probably the rightful. Uh, nominee, but they, through election fraud and through the voting machines, they stole the election, the primary, from, from Sanders. And so they insisted on running, of course, he's a, com- he's a communist himself, but, you know, at least he wasn't as corrupt as Hillary Clinton. So they insisted on running an insider, who we all loathe and hate, um, based upon, well, look at Waco, she was sitting there watching, you know, those women and children burn in Waco, all the, after Benghazi, all the things she's done, all the corruption and criminality, she should be in prison. So, um, you know, they, they insisted on running this corrupt, horrendous person, and it should not be a shock that, that they lost. 
And I think uh, Michael Moore also had a good point to make, which I usually don't agree with Michael Moore on anything. But he said that Trump is the Molotov cocktail from the American working class um, against the establishment after having have had all their jobs sucked out. Like, you know, Ross Perot said he was, he was correct about NAFTA. It's the giant sucking sound of American jobs leaving this country. And I think, uh, you know, the American working class finally got sick and tired of it. So all those things combined, um, and of course, gun control, we all know that Hillary, she got in office, to do her dead level best to, you know, but whether by executive fiat or through legislation, uh, destroy the Second Amendment or through appointments on the Supreme Court. So you combine all of those things, it was not a shock at all that, that Trump won. And I think he actually won by a far margin, far larger margin than is, than is reflected in the, in the uh, results because of the, of the vote fraud. There was systemic vote fraud going into it. We all knew it. They, of course, denied it every, every step of the way, even after it was shown by WikiLeaks and by Project Veritas to be true. So I think, it's, I think it was actually a much larger landslide than is reflected. No, I, I totally agree with you on that. And it's interesting you point out, too, <clears throat> excuse me, it, it's interesting, too, the way you point out um, the, there was so much talk about the blue wall, which has been, you know, uh, pushed over by, by Trump and, and his supporters. The, the, the states that represent the upper Midwest, if you will, um, of the very the people Belt. that you described. Yeah, there you go. Yes, yes. And to, to a large extent, we're part of that as well. Uh, the, uh, Northwest Pennsylvania, um, uh, North, uh, West or Northeastern Ohio, uh, are, you know, it's all been gutted. And I think, you know, it's, it's just, yes, I, I totally agree in, in hindsight. I mean, I can, a postmortem of this election, indeed, um, we can we can point to you know the victory of or why the victory. Now, okay, having said all of that, a couple of things. Number one, there is a petition. Change.org is running a petition, which is I believe is funded, of course, by the the Soros and uh, Clinton people um, to challenge or to uh, to compel the electoral college to not vote Trump in. That's number one. And number two, then, of course, we've got the more visible component, the chaos that's being um, um, really, it's, it's not organic. Uh, these are not organic protests. These aren't even protests. These are riots, and, and they're uh, orchestrated. So we've got this taking place right now. Um, and and, and we, we spoke before the show. It, it Dangerous times, right? I mean, the blowback here. Um, and you got celebrities too that, you know, these mouthpieces, these idiotic mouthpieces, um, who people listen to, who the, the snowflakes listen to, um, you know, making, uh, making, uh, jokes and, and attempting to, to delegitimize the victory of, uh, of Donald Trump. So all of this combined, it's kind of a very, um, dry tinder here in America today. Well, what you have is, is the same, you know, radical Marxists who were driving the, you know, driving the agenda over the last eight years and conditioning people. Um, they've been successful. I mean, they, you've always left us running around. Quite a, quite a few of them are very sincere. They actually think that we're all a bunch of racists, we're a bunch of Nazis. They're going to lock them in concentration camps. I think the 
one of the top know better, and this is just part of their, their tactic. But so now that they, they use that tactic to try to consolidate power and, and, and prevail, now they couldn't do that through the electoral process. Um, now they're going to use it to try to ferment, you know, chaos, creative chaos, or as they're, as they're calling it, constructive apocalypse. That's actually a term being thrown around by Black Lives Matter leadership. Um, Black Panther leadership, New Black Panthers, about a possible um, methodology of forcing what we're seeing now, trying to force the electoral college to go the other way. And it's very similar to what Soros uh, sponsored in the Ukraine. It's similar to the overthrow in, in Egypt and Tunisia. You know, they can create a, a, a crisis situation and create a vacuum and then put their favorite person in. So I think the, the greatest um, danger we're in right now is that they're up against, you know, they're back against the wall, they're cornered. And a lot of these ancient communists are about ready to die. You know, and George Soros himself is ready to kick the bucket soon. You know, and you got guys like Bill Ayers. I mean, all of these radical ideologues who are, you know, George Soros' surrogates are feeling like this is their last chance. And they thought they were going to be able to usher in Hillary Clinton and then finish the work. But now they have to do something else. And the, and the only other thing they possibly have is to try to cause chaos and, and interrupt um, the inauguration. So between now and the inauguration, I think, is a very dangerous time for this country. And we will see, you know, we're, going, we're already starting to see, but I think you're going to see a wave of violence um, pretty much like you saw in the 70s with the under, Weather Underground uh, bombings and, and assassination attempts. So I think it's yeah, coming. Yeah. And so you yeah, know, all of it designed to put pressure, you know, just like they, they, they'll burn down a city practically and, and loot, and it's putting pressure on politicians to, you know, it's like either you go along what we want or we're going to burn the whole place down. Exactly. And I'm, I'm, I'm glad you mentioned the, um, uh, the, the template from the 70s or uh, late 60s, early 70s, the Weather Underground and, and Bill Ayers and uh, – you know, before he passed, we had uh, uh, Larry Grothwald on uh, numerous times uh, on our program describing the tactics of of errors and such. So, I mean, what, what you're seeing right now, of course, and I, and I think you're I think you're doing a great job of calling attention to it, is this uh, controlled opposition in the uh, pre- uh, you know uh, President Elect Trump environment. Uh, but we have, I think, I think we've got to expose, continue to, to expose the people behind this. Um, and indeed. Now, what's your position? Have you been talking with law enforcement? I'm, I'm sure you have all across the country about what's taking place. Uh, what are you hearing about this? Well, of course, they, they, they can see right through um, the, the propaganda about racism. They, they know they're not racist, and, 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 and they've been the target of Black Lives Matter now for, for a couple of years. And what's interesting about it is as more extreme, the more the left jumps the shark when it comes to you know, labeling everyone a racist or labeling, or labeling every cop a racist and, and a killer, um, all it does is it makes the police understand that the propaganda that they've heard against veterans or against oath keepers and other groups, that's all crap. You know, they saw us standing out guarding the recruiting centers 
after the Chattanooga attack, you know, it was it was, it was us and other veterans, three uh, percent of groups and oath keepers out there with rifles in our hands, protecting the, you know the recruiters against terrorism. So the cops are starting to see past the Southern Poverty Law Center and ADL uh, propaganda and left left media propaganda too. The left media, of course, is, is lock stock right in, right in with them. So, but, but you know, the more they do it, and, and after they've done it for eight years straight. You know, whenever they call anybody who disagrees with them pretty much Hitler, um, it, it wears thin after a while, and it, it loses its power. And so I think what we're seeing now, thankfully, is a unification of the American warrior class. And that's been one of my goals from the start, is to bring together the veterans and the police and the current sort of military and the gun owners. I mean, gun owners are part of the American warrior class as well. These are all the people who will keep order and pre- preserve life, liberty, and property when it's under threat, and ultimately preserve the Constitution. Um, and of course, we can't turn a blind eye to problems we've seen within law enforcement, and we, we don't. But I think in the long term, um, it's best for us as patriots to do what we can to unify with them against this common threat um, while respecting the Constitution. So I think that's the, the you know, the blessings come out of this, is that the more they, they take off the mask, and, they, and they've begun to take it all the way off, now you see the hammer and sickle red flag flying. Now you see, you know, socialist out world, world, world socialist movements and and Revcom, which is revolutionary uh, communist group, Soros funded. Now you see them leading these parades and leading these uh, these protests. So they're exposing themselves what they really are. All along they've been communists, and they're not. You know, they call themselves progressive. They call themselves uh, liberals, but what they really are is communists. Does not mean the average rank and file Democrat is necessarily a communist, but it does mean their party is infested with them and definitely run by them. So, or what you could call, like in Clinton's case, a uh, corporate oligarch. But they use the communist as their as their foot soldiers. Yeah, exactly. And that that's something I, I think a lot of people, especially and in including the people who are. Um, bust in and take take part of the protest. Really, don't understand that they're just acting as the useful idiots. As uh, um, I mean, by definition, uh, uh, Stuart, with with this Trump presidency, uh, this this Trump win uh, against Hillary Clinton, and you know, really this this internal Marxist Muslim coup that we've been talking about. Um, how dangerous of a time is it for Americans as Obama has two months left before Trump's inauguration? Do you see him trying to do anything, uh, you know, just completely off the walls as far as executive orders or trying to create some other type of crisis that would enable him to stay in office longer? Or do you think he's just going to be the lame duck president that he is and let the uh, days roll by? until he can uh, just leave the White House and go about his life? Don't know. Um, it's hard to say. And I, we've, we hear that he hates Hillary Clinton and doesn't really care about her. So it's possible that, you know, as long as he thinks his, his own personal legacy is intact, then he's good to go. I don't know. I think we're. I think the risk is there, though. And so I think that we should presume the worst and prepare for it in case it happens. Um, well much like said. Mr. Wall said, prepare for, like, imagine if they decided to, you know, do a scorched earth response to this anti-globalist um, victory, which is what I think Trump's victory is. Imagine if they decided to, you know, through orchestrated riots and 
potentially was sparking a race war, you know, which none of us want, but I think they might. You know, this is part of their whole purpose is to get everybody who's not pure white to think that all white people are their enemies. And, of course, the flip side of that is it makes whites feel like they're being attacked as well. So they, you know, it could be that Soros sitting up there looks at this and says, I want to destroy this country. I don't really care how we do it. We can do it through multiple multiple methods. One method is a race war. One method is economic collapse. One method could be an EMP, you know, an EMP strike. We don't know. So any of those things could be a catalyst for Obama, um, whether he's in on it or not, uh, deciding to declare you know, emergency powers and, and perhaps delay inauguration. So it's possible. I mean, throughout the world, look at the past. Look at the past pattern of behavior of radical uh, Marxists. They don't give up power easily. They don't just walk away because they're defeated in an election. They do what they're doing now. They try to find a different way to get it done. So they want power. But they, they used to having power. They thought they had a permanent lock on it, but they don't. And so now they want to try to get it back by any means necessary. So I think people should presume the worst. And between now and January 20th, they should do a, a sprint of preps, making sure that they have food and water, that they have communications, that, that they have some kind of mutual aid and security with their neighbors. Um, and in particular, I would say the neighborhood watch is most important, and then also food. So if you can't, you know, if you don't eat, you can't fight. So you can't you can't secure anything if you're if you're starving to death. But the flip side of that is is you have to have security too. The secret squirrel prepper who hides in the basement and doesn't want their neighbors to know they have food is not gonna. That's not a recipe for success either, because you're vulnerable. If you're, you know, if your perimeter is your four walls, your house, you're done. All it takes is a local gang to uh, roll through your neighborhood, house to house. What are you gonna do? So you got to come together with your neighbors, and I think people should uh, make that the focal focus point of their effort right now as neighborhood watches. You know, uh, here we we've got about uh, four minutes to the or to, to the bottom of the hour. But I, I, when we come back on the other side, I, I do want to get your uh, input. And you've got a you've got a number of initiatives uh, that you're that that, that um, a number of initiatives. I'll just leave it at that. That we'll talk about. Yeah, we uh, want to know where the Oath Keepers uh, are going from here. What well, they have their eyes on, and well, you, and, and and folks go to OathKeepers.org, and it's interesting to read about uh, uh, Navy Jack Battleground America. Of course, it was just updated. I think it was yesterday on OathKeepers.org website, and of course, th- their website as well. Just is filled with a lot of good information, and it's interactive. And there's memberships to Oath, Oath Keepers. Um, you don't have to be a uh, um, commissioned law enforcement officer necessarily to, to become a member and to become part of Oath Keepers. But having said that, I'm going to ask you, um, have you seen a rise uh, here in the, before the break? Have you seen a rise of late of interest in your organization by um, law enforcement because of the well, well, we'll just call it blowback to the uh, communist Obama-style leadership throwing law enforcement under the bus. Oh, absolutely. And, and the attack on police, too. And now they're being targeted by terrorists. That's, I think, uh, like I said, they're, they're starting to see that the propaganda they've been fed about us is, was wrong, and they're starting to see that we're exactly who they need to be aligned with for their own, for their own protection, frankly, for them and their yeah, families. And that's good, yeah. Yeah, and of course today I, I'd, I'd be remiss to uh, 
uh, not to mention today being Veterans Day, of course. Uh, you've got a salute to veterans on, on your website. Uh, and, and, you know, we thank all of our veterans, members of the military, for their sacrifice. Uh, and I'm sure that you're the same is happening with the military as well and the, recog- the recognition that our Constitution is under assault. Um, you're, you must be seeing it tremendously. Yeah, absolutely. So I, I would say that at least 75% of the military now is wide awake and aware of what's been done and, and what we just we just barely dodged a bullet. You know, we just, uh, frankly, I think if Hillary had been elected and she had, you know, managed to claw her way into power, I think we would have been uh, in a civil war in short order. Um, but we might wind up there anyway if the radical left has their way. They're not going away. You know, you, this is the problem is we now have... a, a a divided country where at least half the country is buying, the, you know, drinking the Kool-Aid of the radical left. And unless we can, you know, deprogram them and, and make them see the light and see that we're not trying to, you know, kill them all and put them in concentration camps, I think a lot of them are reacting out of fear now. So, you know, the shoe's on the other foot. They're about to lose all power and they're about to have, you know, someone they, they detest um, in the reins of power, and, and a power that Obama has exponentially increased during his during his two terms. So, you know, the stakes are higher. This is one of the problems that the, the, the more power is put in the hands of the presidency, it becomes an imperial presidency, and the more there's a legitimate reason to fear it, because it is so almost unlimited. So, uh, you know, in the interest of all Americans, left or right, we need to get back to a limited government under the Constitution. Uh, amen to that, Mr. Rhodes. We are up against our uh, break. We'll be back after these short messages with Stuart Rhodes from Oath Keepers, the founder of Oath Keepers. We're going to get into a number of other important issues and uh, look at where we need to go from here uh, under a Donald Trump presidency and what to expect. If we get there. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> if we get there. We'll be right back, folks, on this Friday edition. Stay with us. edition of the Hagman and Hagman Report, our very special guest, Mr. Stuart Rhodes, OathKeepers.org. Two years ago, 18, I don't know, I'll say two years ago, I'm reminded um, there was a race for county sheriff, and one of the candidates I happened to meet in the courthouse, um, he was filing some papers, and actually he was on the steps, and, and uh, he asked me for support. I said, are you a member of Oath Keepers? And he said, who? What? And I uh, I took that opportunity to explain to him what Oath Keepers is and explain to him why he could not count on my support because of his lack of knowledge of Oath Keepers. And uh, he, anyway, he lost, and uh, that's that. Now, the current sheriff I know is uh, very much aware of Oath Keepers. But, uh, we, again, very special guest, Mr. Stuart Rhodes. Before we get back to him, folks, uh, the first hour we were talking with James Rawls, and we are talking about survival points. And let me give you a perfect survival cooking stove. Uh, let me just tell you about MinutemanStove.com, folks. The Minuteman stove is, is a, a 
ammo can refashioned, insulated to burn wood, a very small amount that is will give you the energy comparable to a kitchen stove. No kidding. And folks, you're always going to be able to find enough fuel for the Minuteman stove because it doesn't take that much. It's fully insulated with the ceramic refractory insulation. It focuses the heat. reinforced steel. Oh man, it's, 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 it's really great. It, it, again, it's like a kitchen stove. It also, uh, can be used on a picnic table because of that insulation Joe referenced. It, yep. it, it protects the outside and, and, uh, I mean, the outside, even at full throttle, it only reaches about 200 degrees. But this is self-contained, seals airtight for travel and storage. It's the best, the best, the absolute best st- uh, cooking stove on the market, bar none. And uh, it's a 50-caliber ammo, ammo can, like I said. It weighs about 14 pounds. It travels clean, no smells, no soot will get inside your vehicle. And if giving away your position is, is a, a concern, it it virtually no smoke. I mean, it's virtually smokeless. We've had it uh, full bore outside of our studios, and it's just it works just as advertised. And you know, they're, these stoves are made in America. They're also serving with our troops overseas in Iraq and Afghanistan. They're handmade. They're battle proven. They're extremely rugged and you know what they come with a uh, two-year no-hassle warranty and i would tell you this or i will tell you this that to date no one has ever used folks fire starters as well go to minutemanstove.com shop away they have our seal of approval and one more thing i want to thank everyone yesterday we were talking about uh, support and you know we're all in this together those of you who really have come together and, and are helping us expand because we are outpacing our supply lines, I just want to say, give you a heartfelt thank you from all of us here. Um, you, just thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And whether it's a note of encouragement, uh, your, your, your support, prayers, whatever it might be, we're all in this together. And I just want to say thank you for that. Now, Stuart Rhodes again is our guest, uh, oathkeepers.org. The previous, segment he mentioned uh, uh, constructed uh, uh, apocalypse I, I never heard that before I don't know that, I mean I've never heard that before um, all of these things that have uh, well that right now face us on on oathkeepers.org website there's an article here Navy Jack Operation Hypo infiltrating the protests against the president elect you want to start? You want you want to talk about uh, op, uh, operational hypo, Stewart, or or you want to go in a different direction? No, that's fine. We can talk about that. What that is is, is a continuation of what we just got done doing um, in the lead up to the election was Operation Sabo, which was to uh, go and spot, you know, covertly spot for any attempted voter fraud or intimidation. And that was a very successful program. We have our intelligence operatives now um, all over the country to part in that. And all we're doing is, is rolling those same people over into now infiltrating these leftist groups who are um, doing their best. It's, you know, it's, it is astroturf. They're, they're busting people in from all over the place to riot. But it's dangerous astroturf. And so we want to expose their intentional manipulation of, of people and their attempt to spark violence, much like Project Veritas exposed what they call bird dogging, where they sent in, um, you know, 
operatives to go into Trump rallies and, and instigate confrontations and, and get a reaction from the Trump crowd and, and create conflict or shut down a freeway. These are these are people that were you know caught on video camera uh, covertly admitting that they had done these things. They, they'd created uh, you know confrontations and in fact um, you know went out and blocked freeways and and uh, incited assaults on people. And so we think that if we go out there and you know, infiltrate these groups, we will have a chance of exposing them and perhaps gathering enough evidence for prosecution. Um, and by us being okay. out there and doing this, they'll, they'll be more likely to, uh, you know, watch what they're doing and maybe not try to do it in the first place. J- Joe and I were reviewing some videos that um, were uploaded to Twitter and other social networking feeds, and they're, I mean, they're ubiquitous. I mean, it, so many videos out there of these protests. And we looked, I, Joe, I can't remember if it was, I mean, um, it, it, during the height of the Black Lives Matter uh, protests in this past summer to the anti-Trump result protests here of the last three days, we were able to identify I think three or four, I can't remember, three or four individuals, the same people. I mean, not just the same body types, but the same faces in these protests. So you, you are, you, if I hear you correctly, you're infiltrating these groups, identifying these, these people and, and, and combating against them by way of exposing them, right? I mean, this is, yeah, go ahead. That's what we're looking for. We're looking for the ones that you can see over and over again going to the, the same events. And we're seeing the same thing you're seeing. We're noticing not just, you know, same groups, but same people. So yeah. it really is this small core of radicals who are funded by Soros, who are running around from one place to another, um, trying to ramp up as much fear and hatred in, in you know, young college students, you know, young, young kids full of mush, but they get them stirred up and, and believing that they're going to be rounded up and put in the concentration camps. And that's why they're around. You see them on YouTube crying, and, you know, they're worried about whether or not they're going to see their next birthday and whether or not they're going to be in a, you know, in an oven soon. And, and I think a lot of them really have bought all the crap. They, they bought into it, and they believe that, that we're Nazis, and they believe we're racist. And so, you know, like I said before, we have to make sure that we do what we can to, um, you know, counter that propaganda. That's why I'm relying. we got black police officers in, in national leadership. we got one on our board of directors, and, and we have black oath keepers in leadership in our state and state organizations, too, and so and Hispanics. And so I'm tapping, tapping into them to, you know, be right out front and center and saying, you know, we're not a racist organization, and, and people who support Trump are not racist. I mean, you know, they'll, the, the left will go out and find that the, the small, tiny minority of KKK or skinheads are, that are still left out there, and of course they give them all the news coverage, and David Duke and other clowns like that, so that they can paint the picture of all of us being racist. So I think it's important for us to make sure that we counter that, and also that we don't buy into it. I mean, you know, Trump got 22% of the Hispanic vote, and it might have something to do with all the, the uh, you know, the spirit cooking videos that came out. You know, a lot of, a lot of Hispanics don't like that kind of stuff, that, that whole voodoo or uh, Santeria stuff is kind of scary to them. But anyway, yeah. he, he got a pretty larger, larger percentage of the vote uh, among Hispanics than they expected. And he also got 10% of the black vote. And I think it's important for us to keep working in those communities to, you know, counter this propaganda, because the radical left 
they went from back in the day trying you know you know trying to unite all the workers workers of the world unite and making economic ar- arguments that fell on its face and the, the Berlin Wall fell and everyone saw the absolute disaster of communism then they shifted to environmentalism and I call them watermelons they're green on the outside red on the inside they tried to scare people into being kind of a communist for the environment that had it, you know limited appeal limited um, ability to bring people on board and so then they switched to racism they switched to you know if, if you oppose what we're doing and oppose the the uh, you know social justice and then you're a racist and that's their latest gamble is trying to you know focus on uh, black and brown people and make them convinced that their only home is the Democratic Party and everybody else is out to get them so that's sort of their last hurrah is to become racist basically so ironically they're actually driving they're attempting to drive blacks into identifying only along racial lines and Hispanics also. Um, so rather than uniting this country, that's why Obama has been the great divider. You know, he's not done anything to unite us. He's been extremely divisive. So we need to understand that's, that's, their, that's all they have left. Racism is their only strategy left. So let's, let's make sure we don't buy into it ourselves and, and make sure we counter it. Yeah, you make uh, some great points there. Um and one thing that's so interesting is the media's role in this presidential election and how uh, there was a point at some sometime here in, in the not-too-distant past where the media came, uh, instead of being journalists, uh, became, you know, uh, cheerleaders and, and partners with, uh, you know, this governmental crime syndicate that we see. And I think the the toll that the media played in promoting the... Uh, racist lines and, you know, the, the hate lines that they, they say Trump was spewing. Um, what, one thing that was sad, you mentioned the YouTube videos of people crying and, uh, the liberal tears and rants after Hillary lost. I was surprised to see how many children were in those videos crying, you know, because Hillary Clinton lost and thinking, you know, why are, are the, are children so, um, you know, upset by this, but the media has has really done a number on the people who pay attention uh, to it, and they have, you know, fueled the fire, this fire. Um, and as you said, you know, it's just the perception of racism, and it's getting to the point. I see now in Albuquerque public schools, they're sending letters home to students uh, for fears of deportation due to a Donald Trump presidency after the families are speaking out scared about their future here in this country. Um, what is the future of the mainstream media after the whole country has seen through their twisted lies and biases? Do they have a future? I hope not. I hope they die. I mean, you know, I'm going to be boycotting them, and I think the best thing we can do is just boycott them, turn them off. Don't go to them. Don't click to them. Don't, you know, don't link to them. Just let them die away. They're nothing but a propaganda arm for the for the uh, for the radical left. So, you know, and I think they they pretty much jumped the shark. They threw their all they had into the ring, everything they had. They threw in this last election, and they went, you know, went full full broke. And I think uh, now that they lost, they're they've got nothing left, no more credibility. You know, the WikiLeaks, you know, emails show that many of them are in direct collusion. Those are the ones we know about. But every single major media outlet all parrots the same line. 
racism, KKK, Nazi, you know, same, the same mantra. Um, white men that don't like a black president, white men that feel like the demographics are changing against them. You know, so they're just racializing everything. But people are sick and tired of being called a racist for, for, you know, for waking up in the morning and taking a breath. They're just they're sick of it. And they've seen through it, and so now it has no more force or effect. And so the media has lost all credibility and they lost all power, except over these these unfortunate people that have bought into the bought into the propaganda. You know, so like I said, I think it's important for us to do what we can to you know have some goodwill and and reach out to the rank and file. At least you're not going to reach the minds of of the uh, the leadership. You know, they're they're dyed in the wool uh, manipulators, but. The rank and file Democrat out there who sincerely believes we're all Nazis, perhaps we can get them to see that we're really not. And I think the best way to do that is, like I said, utilize our black and Hispanic uh, conservatives and libertarians and constitutionalists to be the ones that go out there and reach out first. You, you, uh, you and your organization have close the ties, and many of your members are uh, former military. And you guys have close ties to people in the military in all branches. A lot of, of our guys are still army. in. We have current serving that are still in both active duty military and national guard. Can can you share um, some of the sentiments of the the people that are in in the military about the direction of this country and specifically the, under under uh, Obama? I mean, aside from the obvious, I think Joe. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, they, they don't yeah. like the partisanship. Um, quite a few of them, they come from a family that's historically uh, served in the military, as is mine. You know, most of, most of us are like that. Multiple multiple generations have served, and they don't like. They're very they're sincerely nonpartisan. They don't like the partisanship, the rancor, the hatred. They they hate it. They, you know, ironically, they, they they hate the hatred. So that's one thing that I've heard over and over again from guys that have come back from being overseas for years is is they can't believe the amount of animosity and hatred they see all over the web, all over the news, and in the comments on a lot of these uh, articles. You know. Um, you'll see leftists who are calling for drone strikes, calling us all uh, low wattage voters, <laughs> calling us all racist, of course, <laughs> and and they don't like it at all. And it, and it really has, um, you know, made them feel like their country has deteriorated severely. And so they they would like to see Americans come together and, and get past this. But then they also realize that. You know, these radical Marxist ideologues, they have no goodwill, and they're never going to change. So what do, you, what do you do with people like that? So how do you reconcile? How do you coexist with someone that wants to destroy your country, who wants to overthrow your government under the Constitution, and wants to destroy the Constitution? You know, what do you do with someone like that? So um, that's a sentiment that I see in the military, is a lot of uh, frustration with the division in this country and the party, the partisan party uh, loyalty that's loyal, loyal to party over country. Exactly. Well, well said. I, I got to ask you, Mr. Rhodes, and this is kind of a, a to me, this is humorous. Um, you know, when 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 we talk about the snowflakes and and the and the real social uh, justice warriors. So, well, I wouldn't even give them that. Uh, Distinction, or aren't they one of the same? The snowflake. I, you know what? It, that makes it sound too good. How, how about this name? How about Miranda Blue? Okay. Um, <laughs> I don't know if if you're you went over my head, uh, uh, Mr. Rose. I'm not even sure if you if you know Miranda Blue. Um, apparently, she's got a real you know sc- uh, uh, rifle scope on Oath Keepers, and of course herself, she's with Right Wing Watch. 
And uh, every time I turn around, you know, she's flopping her lips about the about the anti-government group Oath Keepers. My goodness, um, I just get so so tired of hearing these uh, these uh, uh, mush for brains uh, morons. Seriously, right. how, how are we anti-government when we advocate loyalty to an oath uh, to a constitution that established a government? Thank you. And yeah. we're all either current serving or former government employees. It's kind of bizarre. Yeah, I was just, I kind of wanted to ask you about this. I, I, I mean, here is this, this person, the, the supposedly this research editor for, um, uh, Right Wing Watch, um, and, and has got all these credentials and, and can't even define what your group, I, I mean, this to me is pure slander, libelous crap that, that she's spewing. Um, it's almost, Humorous to the point, well, except it's not funny at all. But uh, um, you're getting piled on by by groups like Right Wing Watch and other groups. Um, in fact, that's how you know you're the target when you're getting flack. You know, there, this is what they're doing. To, but what's funny about it is that now they're saying about absolutely anybody who voted for Trump, for example, and so they're now calling the great majority of the you know the American. Um, I guess you call you know over half this country. I would say they're labeling racist. If you voted for Trump or you're sympathetic to those arguments, or if you're anybody but but a Marxist, basically that they call a racist. And so you know it's lost power. We all look around. And that's why folks are running around with deplorable stickers on their cars and, and deplorable T-shirts. You know because they're wearing it as a badge of honor. And that's kind of how we see it too. Yeah. Well, and I and I I find it humorous. It's sad. Sad, actually, but but someone humorous when when uh, Oath Keepers is, is is described as an anti-government uh, organization when in fact you've yeah, you Black know, Lives you know, Matter is, is on the top of the you know good good list. <laughs> can, can I ask me because because of this and then I'll stop this because it's really meaningless. I think that to even give the time to to morons like this. Uh, yes, I did call this Miranda Blue a moron. That's me speaking, Doug Hagman. Uh, well, I'll second on... that. Okay, <laughs> there you go. Well, okay, her last, one of her last, if not her last column was, uh, Oath Keepers prepare for post-election false flags, Black Lives Matter, IED attacks. But there's a reference made to the incognito intelligence gathering and crime spotting teams on election day where, you know, you had a, you referenced it, uh, Operation uh, Sabot, I believe, right? Uh, where you went in. Sabo. And, and, or Sabo, I'm sorry. Right. Yeah. No, nah, I'm the moron. Anyway, <laughs> um, results, findings uh, from that operation? Do, do, can you disclose anything? I mean, did, uh, um, yes and no. We, we, we had teams out, and they were effective. Let's put it that way. And we don't want to say a whole lot more because those same teams are now gotcha. rolling right into what we're doing now and infiltrating these groups. So I do think um, I think our presence made a difference. Um, frankly, like I said earlier, I think the the, the um, vote fraud was so severe that it took a landslide to beat it. But I think not only us, but other groups out there, Project Veritas, uh, you know, Stop the Steal. There was a bunch of folks out there doing poll watching, and I think that made a difference. It made it much more difficult for the bad guys to know if they're going to be found out. And one of the things we did is we targeted particular um, areas where we thought vote fraud was most likely um, for subpoena for the machines. 
long ways towards making them, you know, concerned about trying to go too far too fast. So it like still that. happened. We saw what happened. In, you know, for for example, in Virginia, you know, the governor right in front of everyone's face just went ahead and parted with a sixty thousand sixty thousand uh, yeah. and through robo signing. So so there was you know there were things they tried to do, but I think that uh, the presence out there of everyone watching so carefully. Um, cut back on it, and it wouldn't have mattered anyway. Frankly, look at the look at the you know the overwhelming tsunami of support. I think it would have overwhelmed it anyway. No, I think you're right too. Um, I do not, for one second, believe that Hillary Clinton got you know 50 million plus votes um, naturally. I believe I believe that it was you know like you said, there was so much Trump support. The silent majority stepped up, came out, and voted in such a way giving Trump a landslide victory that it beat all of the ballot stuffing, it beat the dead voter rolls, and it beat, you know, the push of illegal immigrants to, to vote. And I think it had to be that way because I, I believe that they, uh, like a lot of the mistakes they made when uh, creating the polling numbers and all those crazy polls we saw months before the election where Hillary had 12-point lead, 15-point lead, 10-point lead, they use the demographics from, you know, the last two elections where uh, you had a lot more African-Americans and others come out and vote for Obama. And I think they underestimated how badly the American people uh, wanted to change, saw, saw the problems, the lies in the media, the lies from the administration. You want your doctor, you can keep your doctor. And... If it was not for, um, you know, the people coming out, the vast majority of people coming out to vote, I believe it was, I saw a statistic, uh, either, uh, 78% or 71% of the evangelicals came out to vote. Uh, I think without, you know, that amount of, uh, support for Trump, that the stuffing of the ballot boxes would have given Hillary the win. And, uh, well, when well, just looking at the size Joe, of the rallies between Trump and Clinton, Clinton couldn't even get a thousand people to go to her rallies unless she had some star-studded celebrity lineup. And even then, she couldn't you exactly. know, match the the support that Trump had on the ground in all these different places. So it it makes no sense to me uh, the number of votes that she got versus the actual support we saw her uh, have at these different public events. Yeah. You're right. Yeah, just like she did with Sanders. I mean, you know, like I said before, I'm no fan, no fan of Sanders, but it's pretty much a foregone proven conclusion that you know, I think Berkeley and Ben Stanford both did studies on it. Wherever there were no paper trails and only electronic machines, um, there were all, all kinds of errors that just happened to go Hillary's way. And they said the odds of that happening accidentally um, or by chance, were one in seventy-seven billion. That's what they said in their in their reports. So obviously, she used machine vote fraud to steal to steal the primary from Sanders. And as you said, if it weren't for the overwhelming response from the American people, it would have gone the same way in the general election. Yeah, yeah. So um, I agree. I don't, I don't think she. I mean, you know, of course, we're not done counting either. Ironically, the the leftists that are petitioning or calling on the electors to you know not support Trump and go against the you know the standard rules in their state. Ironically, they're saying they should do that because of, she won the popular popular vote, but they're still counting it. So it's possible he might tip over the edge and, and take the popular vote. Exactly, and it's interesting. To, I found it really interesting that now I didn't know this that. So some of the mail-in ballots don't have to be counted in some states. Um, 
Uh, and not to mention all the ballots they found garbage bags of uncounted Trump ballots uh, in parking lots in different polling locations and you had really? the whole uh, oh, yeah. Broward yeah. County uh, uh, crazy yeah there, were, there was a lot of and in Florida in Broward County they um, I think Brenda Spears is her, was her name um, they had I forget how many tens of thousands of, of Trump ballots that they couldn't count due to their excuse moisture sticking the envelopes together <laughs> that they had to throw away and just like you said just a number of these anomalies and, and from what the report you just cited I leading up yeah. to the odds of the billions Sorry. of this happening and every time a machine was uh you know you picked donald trump and it flipped to hillary clinton you never saw it the opposite where you picked hillary clinton and it flipped to donald trump um the odds in the billions. Folks, you're listening to Stuart Rhodes of OathKeepers.com, uh, and he is going to be our guest until the end of this broadcast. We have one more hour left with him. We owe him a if debt of gratitude to his organizations because of the, the proactive stuff he did at the polls. Let me yeah. just say that. If you, if you have any questions, um, send us a, a quick email at studio at hagmanandhagman.com, and we will try to fit those in. And when we come back, we're going to get into another... Uh, a number of other issues with Stuart Rhodes. So stay with us on this Friday edition. Follow us on our social networking feeds at Hagman Report on Twitter. I've got my own too, Douglas Hagman or at Hagman PI uh, and Douglas Hagman Facebook and of course Hagman Report on Facebook as well. And again, uh, just a, a heartfelt thanks to everyone listening right now. We, we're getting emails from Europe where it's late or early. We're getting emails all across uh, the United States, Canada, North and South America or South America, Central America. I want to thank each and every one of you for checking in with us and thanks for telling us where you're listening. And a special hello, of course, to Bob and Maggie. God bless you both as well. Thank you uh, uh, for your service. Um, now our, our guest tonight is Mr. Stuart Rhodes, OathKeepers.org. You know, if, you, if you're not familiar with this organization, and I can't believe that you're not, definitely visit OathKeepers.org. And even if you are, keep up on the latest. Follow them on their social networking feeds. But as we as we get into tonight, this program, we're a couple of days out from a Trump, uh, I'll say landslide, all right. And of course, headline on Drudge: assassination threats against Trump flood Twitter. We're going to get Stuart Rhodes' take on that uh, right after I mention Texas Ready. Texas Ready seed banks. I'm going to tell you something, folks. If you if you want a seed bank. Two words, Texas Ready. And, and this is the best. The Cadillac of seed banks, as far as I'm concerned, at the Oldsmobile prices, Chevy prices. First of all, they contain regionally appropriate open-pollinated heirloom seeds. And most seeds, seed banks don't take account into account the geographical differences between locations. Well, Texas Ready, they do. And I, I, mean, I could just go through, really, a litany of 
points about Texas Ready. They use certified seeds. Uh, most seed bank companies don't do that because they cost too much. Well, Texas Ready thinks you're worth it, and we think you're worth it as well. That's why we, as a as an organization, we requ- I mean, we require uh, the potential sponsors to send in the products and we, we take a look and we have them evaluated compare them to others that's kind of part of our listener protection program well Texas Ready passes heads and shoulders above any seed bank ever so folks check out their website texasready.net that's texasready.net and we want to thank them so much for their support of the Hagman Report but again our, our guest is Stuart Rhodes a man I've got a lot of respect for and I and as I said right right before the break, uh, or right during the break, is uh, we owe we owe to Oath Keepers and Stuart Rhodes a, a debt of gratitude for their service in uh, proactively, I believe, proactively preventing or uh, mitigating a you know the voter fraud uh, that uh, could have been, that could have taken place, or at least lessening that. But Mr. Rhodes, what do you make of the? Assassination threats that are just raging across the social network feeds. What's uh, what's your take on that? Well, it's just you know, it's, it's just interesting that that if the flip had been happened. Imagine if after Obama was elected, there had been that kind of a flood of threats to assassinate him. You know, leftist media would have gone you know crazy. And of course, they're not highlighting this that this this flood of uh, hatred. And it's just kind of weird to see people who run around and claiming that we're full of hate and we're intolerant and that we, you know, otherize other people and and, and you know make them less than human. That's the allegations they make about us when actually they're the ones doing that. So they're projecting. You know, they're they're actually doing what what they accuse us of doing. And so they're the ones that are full of hatred and and like to, you know, dehumanize other people and and talk about them um, in in ways that, you know, we never thought we'd see in in modern America. So there's a lot of that. But then it's also a reflection of the fear. You know, they they have built up a massive amount of power in the hands of the president. It's like Julian Assange said. He's like, okay, so drone strikes, you know, um, unrestricted executive power and spying on Americans and NSA spying on all of us. Uh, now it's all in the hands of, of Trump. And I think that they realize the same thing. It's, you know, they, they built up unlimited power and now it's in the hands of someone that they, they detest. Mm. Well, well said. And by the way, I, I caught the news, a little bit of good news, I believe. It shows character, uh, when Donald Trump called the police officer who was slain, um, the widow of the police officer who was slain uh, here the other day, uh, was it yesterday or wherever, NYPD Sergeant, uh, I don't recall his name, he was an NYPD sergeant, yeah. uh, killed Thursday morning and extended the, uh, Trump uh, extended his condolences to the widow. I thought that was a pretty class act, and I'm sure... Yeah, you never saw Obama do that, did you? Never. No, once. no, no. Beer summits to, you know, dress down a, a, a police officer, yes, but uh, never saw Obama do that. Of course not. Um, what do you make of the WikiLeaks? You mentioned WikiLeaks. I just, and I know this is not necessarily in, you know, your, your, uh, um, in your venue specifically, but overall, what oh, do you make of Oh, absolutely it is. Okay, okay. Well, I think he's, I think, I think Julian Assange is a, is, you know, 
a great hero, frankly, for doing what he did. Imagine if you did not have um, WikiLeaks and you did not have Project Vera. That's another another heroic effort. Um, it's possible you might be having a Clinton victory. I mean, I think the disclosures and exposure of the corruption and the criminality uh, went a long way to to um, taking the wind out of her sails. And not only among you know conservatives and average Americans, but also among the Democrats. I think there's quite a few Democrats now that are turning on her for good reason. Um, she, I mean, frankly, she she was hoisted on her own petard, right? She stole it from she stole the nomination from from Sanders and his supporters. And so the Democratic Party did not have the candidate that their base actually supported. Um, instead, they had an insider, and they and they and they also we we all know from the WikiLeaks revelations that they picked Trump as the Pied Piper candidate. That's what they called him. So they they made sure they did all they could to make sure that he was the one that would get the nomination for the Republicans. So Hillary actually is responsible for her own for her own destruction. And she threatened to drone strike Assange. So he got his revenge. So all that came together in a in a perfect storm of, of righteousness, frankly, on our side and swept her out. And, you know, good riddance to bad trash. Uh, Stuart, I want to get your opinion on the FBI and James Comey in relation to the email scandal. Uh, we know Comey has an extensive history of uh, covering up for Hillary Clinton, covering up crimes for both Bill and Hillary Clinton. His brother and himself are financially tied to the Clinton Foundation. Uh, we know that he made the announcement there was going to there was no criminal activity and or intent uh, with Hillary transfer, uh, transferring classified information over her private server and. That left a lot of people, left a bad taste in a lot of people's mouth. And then just before the, the, a few weeks before the actual vote of the election, Comey comes back out and states that they're reopening the investigation, uh, due to new emails found on Anthony Weiner's computer, over 650,000 of them. And then eight days later, coming out and again clearing Clinton of any wrongdoing. And then we've heard uh, speculation that President Obama is going to fire uh, FBI Director James Comey. Uh, wh- what's going on with Comey in yeah, your you mind? Yeah, you inside inside scoop on this? Well, I mean, I mean, we all know that he, he faced an uprising in the FBI. You know, the media, the media themselves um, reported that he had a stack of resignations on his desk. So you had pressure on him to at least make a showing of trying to do his job. It was all kabuki theater. There's no way they could have possibly read through 650,000 emails to, to find. I mean, of course, a lot of them are, you know, using code words when they when they do stuff. So there's no way that they possibly reviewed all of that for for uh, how they connected up with other crimes that were known or or for new crimes. It was just kabuki theater. So that's all it is. I mean, this this is the problem is that the entire left establishment is connected in bed with the, the Clintons and they're corrupt um, I guess you call it like you know kind of like Tammany Hall right in history there's the corrupt regime or, or boss hog you know they own everything they, they think they own the entire town the, the the judge the county attorney the sheriff you know they lock up all the power uh, everyone's beholden to them or they have something over them and that's how they just you know that's how they operate so once again, without WikiLeaks and without Project Veritas to blow the lid off of all the corruption and expose it all, you know, we might not have been able to stop it. 
also um, I think it's incredibly important that we support people like that, the whistleblowers going back to Snowden. I mean, Snowden got attacked by a lot of people in this country for what he did, but in the end, I would rather have a thousand Edward Snowdens exposing what our government is doing so we can ferret out the corruption. Amen to that. Uh, I totally agree. Now, we want to make sure, I mean, we, we, we can talk endlessly almost it seems like about all of the corruption all of the problems all of the infiltration by the communist left uh uh you know in the the, the pro- protests and to some extent we should but let's turn our attention to oath keepers the organization Stuart Rhodes the man um you're doing a lot of good for a lot of people all across the United States the military the um, the law enforcement, but also for citizens as well. Um, let's get into some good good things here that that uh, people can take part of. Because I, I was looking at your website earlier today, and I mean, you, you hold webinars. You, you, there's a lot of a lot of things you're a lot of training, a lot of, a lot of information you're passing along to to people to help them help themselves. Um, where, where to start right. there? Well, we just did a webinar not too long ago on uh, post-election um, possibility of violence and riots, and we saw this coming. So we did a webinar, it's still available on YouTube, that folks can go watch, that just discuss what might happen. Um, and then I did a nice discussion the other night with Dr. Edwin Vieira about constitutional resistance to tyranny, um, looking looking at the possibility of, of Hillary um, taking it. But then we also looked at what if what if Obama does try to pull some kind of rabbit out of his hat, you know, the martial law rabbit, and explain that martial law is, of course, nowhere in the Constitution is it completely invalid. So we we did a good discussion on that. The next one is going to be in about a week. Will be on neighborhood watches. You know, like I said earlier, the most fundamental thing you must do is provide security for you and your family, and that requires a community. Uh, so you need to get together with your neighbors, and we're going to have two Army Ranger veterans come on and, and discuss for about an hour and a half to two hours in detail how to stand up a strong neighborhood watch with teeth. And following the plan put out by that really excellent book called The Failure of Civility, How to Construct a Neighborhood Protection Plan, and Prepare Yourself. So even if you don't have neighbors who are switched on now, how to plan and prepare so that you're ready to, to assume leadership and help them. Basically, how to stand up a neighborhood watch on the fly. So look for that on our website. It should be in about a week. And we have a program called CPT, which stands for Community Preparedness Team. That's our that's our program to have our veterans form training cadre in every community and go out and teach people how to take care of themselves. And they teach church security teams. They teach neighborhood watches. They work with their local police departments to back them up. Um, and we have a whole list of the skill sets that we think are important. Communications are critical. Emergency medical, um, engineering, you know, clean water and power and fuel, security, and then intelligence also is important. And so we teach people how to do these things for themselves, how to put together a good team, and how to replicate that in their neighborhoods, in their churches, and in their towns, counties, and states. So we think we should start from the very bottom and work up. That's what we're planning on doing. Uh, very admirable set of uh, in- initiatives. And, and you know what, folks? I didn't mention this. Um, 
But and I don't think it would become as a surprise to anyone. I mean, Mr. Rhodes has got a very impressive background. He's a graduate of Yale Law School. I mean, my goodness, uh, he was. Well, some in, folks in, don't in, like that. Well, <laughs> they think I was Skull and Bones because they went to Yale. <laughs> they, they don't realize Skull and Bones is an undergrad uh, institution only. Good point. But but you know the the, uh, the well. You're certainly educated in constitutional matters. Uh, you were U.S. Army paratrooper as well. And again, I want to thank you, especially today, for taking time out of this very special day for you to to appear on uh, on the Highway Report. And also, thank you for your service. And of course, you were a staffer for um, Ron Paul for a while. That's right. Yeah. Far yeah, more proud of that than 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 uh, going to Yale. Absolutely. <laughs> Speaking of Ron Paul, um, you know, we saw this populist movement, uh, you know, really come and awaken uh, during this Trump run from before the primaries into the, the election. Do you think we missed an opportunity with Ron Paul that we now have with Donald Trump? Um, yeah, I do. You know, of course, I'm maybe a little bit biased about that. But, you know, what's kind of ironic and strange is that, um, you know, like I was telling some people on Twitter, I was talk, I was tweeting tweeting with some leftists, and I said, you know, you could have had Sanders versus Rand Paul. I mean, Rand Paul is the one in the WikiLeaks disclosures. You know, it was it was found out that he's the one they really feared. They feared a Rand Paul candidacy because they thought he could have beaten Hillary, and they preferred Trump. Of course, they didn't realize that Trump rode the same wave of discontent, and as an outsider, that Rand Paul would have ridden to. So I think uh, I think Rand Paul could have beaten her. Um, I certainly think that back when, um, rather than Romney and McCain, I do believe that that uh, Ron Paul would have would have beaten Barack Obama soundly for the same reasons. Um, Romney and McCain were both corrupt insiders, and they did not bring out the same vote that Trump was able to bring out. You have to have an outsider, and also because Rand Paul is so anti-war. I think he would have gotten quite a few of the people who wound up supporting Sanders on on the Democrat side. So it could have been a repeat of what we saw with Ronald Reagan. You know, with Reagan, quite a few Democrats crossed over and voted for him. So, you know, I think I think yes, it could have been very different with with uh, Ron Paul and, or his son. But I think Trump has managed to um, harness the same the same uh, block of Americans who are sick and tired of of their country being destroyed. Yeah, and, and and I apologize for, uh, re- well, not really. I, I want to revisit this because getting so many emails, and believe it or not, the emails from people outside of the country uh, wanting your take on Hillary Clinton, I, I don't know if they're looking for something a little bit more specific. Um, the one email well, I think she's a, an absolutely corrupt, um, demonstrated liar and demonstrated criminal. I think she's a sociopath. And I really do believe that if she'd have been made president, I think she's kind of a Maoist or a Stalinist in her in her mindset. I think it would have been an absolute. Um, well, frankly, I think we would have been in a civil war in short order because I don't think, for one, many Americans would not have accepted her. It's kind of the flip side of what we're seeing now. What's kind of weird about this is that on the other side, on, on the right, they would have rejected Hillary Clinton as being legitimate because she belongs in prison. And on the left, now they're rejecting Trump because they believe that he's illegitimate. So, you know, America is a very divided country. And it's a very yeah, dangerous exactly. place to be right now. 
Boy, uh, but I think got, she was manifestly way. corrupt and criminal, as, as I think um, I think that Trump, for all his faults, he has not served in office yet, and so I do believe he, he deserves the benefit of a doubt. And, and, I, and I totally agree with you. I mean, we know what a Clinton. I mean, we know what Clinton is, um, right, which exactly. just blows my mind. You know, I, I it just blows my mind how anyone can 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 be an, apolo- an apologist for Hillary Clinton, given the fact that the. Uh, uh, you know, we've had 30 years to, to see exactly who she is and what she's done. Uh, but, but anyway, um, do, do you think, do you think that, uh, given the chance that, that they'll, Trump or the Attorney General, Department of Justice will, will go after her criminally? They should. They need to. Yeah. I mean, if you let her off with, with a slap on the wrist now, um, I think they'll, you know, of course they should wait until, until Obama's out so he can't pardon her. But yeah, once they, I think Trump should keep his promise. He, he said that if I'm, I'm a elected, you'll be in prison. He should keep that promise. Absolutely. Why is she wow. above the law? You know, there are, there are plenty of good men who violated the exact same, um, requirements of security for, for, uh, communications who are now being punished for it. So she does not get a pass. She should not. No. I, and and I, t- I, I agree with you on that. And, and you know, it's, uh, just being a little bit introspective, ever since the the night of the election, uh, I mean, we, we've had like, I'm sure you've been busy too, but it's like we, we have had virtually no sleep this week, and, and just just mulling things over and thinking about things. This country, after eight years of Barack Hussein Obama, Barry Satoro, the guy in the Oval Office, um, the divi- the divisiveness of this country, the division, the uh, Everything that we're seeing here, uh, all symptoms of, of a much deeper, obviously spiritual problem, but even even deeper uh, uh, moral problem with our country. I mean, it's I, I just you know how how much worse can this get? Uh, and I'm afraid to ask that question. I, I shouldn't ask that question because I know it can get much worse. But um, any any particular flashpoint that you're that kind of keeps you up at night, thinking, man, if this happens, bah. We could be in a lot of trouble. Well, I really, I really do worry about an economic collapse. I think Mr. Rawls is correct. I think um, it's the great sword of Damocles hanging over our heads. You know, our, our economy is so fragile because of the fiat currency that we've been living under since 1913. I think it was when the Fed was created. You know, there's going to come a reckoning. Fiat currencies don't last. They eventually die. They die a very spectacular death. You know, so I think we're we're headed for that. I think uh, Americans need to understand that. Hey, Trump inherited basically. He's at the helm of the Titanic. It's already hit the iceberg. There's a huge gas and gash in the hole, and it's going down. So you know, we we can try to minimize the damage and survive the the sinking, but the, the economy's you know doomed. The dollar's doomed. So I'm not sure how he catches up after decades of, of, of hollowing out destruction of our economy. So it might be, you know, that this is what will happen, is they'll pull the plug on it and then blame him and say, see, this is the problem, is Trump came in and, and he killed the economy. He would end up like, a, like a Herbert Hoover. So I think it's important for us to assume the worst, that that's what they're going to do, and prepare for it. So you do need food storage. Every American should be doing what the LDS Church um, calls on its members to do, store up, 
you know, three months of the food you're going to eat anyway, you know, your normal groceries, and just rotate it, and then store up at least a year of the basics, you know, wheat, powdered milk, sugar, salt, you know, oatmeal, things like that, pasta, things that will last long term. So we do need to do that. Rice right. and beans, you know. So stack up extra rice and beans for yourself and your neighbors. You know, even the cheap stuff like that is better than nothing when the time comes. Exactly. And um, you were, I, I, and I know, are you, did you tell me earlier that you're going to have another webinar session, instructional um, uh, presentation on, like, the Neighborhood Watch is, is did I understand yes. that? Or, or, okay. Yeah. Okay. In about a week, and um, then after that, within every two weeks, we'll have a webinar. So next one's going to be on neighborhood watches, which are critical, and then after that, will be on food storage, on on long term food storage, and how to how to get started. Okay. And, and people, now that people refer to E, I can't, I'm having trouble. To, later on, I'll work on my letters. Today. I have to work on my words. Um, <laughs> Man, uh, so, so okay. So all, all people have to do is just go to oathkeepers.org. Do you have to register for these, or can you just kind of walk in? Well, they're open to the, the public, webinars. but when we put the link up, it's only I think we capped at like two thousand people. So as soon as it's it's posted, I would encourage folks to go register for it. But it's free. Okay. It's, it's not it's not limited to our own membership. Um, it's open to the public. Okay, that's 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 very good. Well, okay. Um, what here in a couple of minutes before the end of the uh, 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 segment here? What do you see as the most important thing Americans should be doing right now, given all of the things that we talked about? Uh, what are we looking at? Which which should we be doing aside from the obvious? Is there anything that that we haven't touched on that we should be? Well, we we need to revitalize the militia system in this country. Um, we as we've had Dr. Ibn Vieira on several times in, in interviews and, and also articles on our site, he's absolutely correct. We have a massive deficiency. He, he, like he talks about, and I think he had a piece called Going to the Root of the Problem, and he talked about we have a fiat currency in a zombie economy, and then we have no security, no capability to preserve law and order and preserve private property and life, liberty, and, and, and property um, because we have no militia. He's right. Those are the twin great weaknesses we have. And so a real militia is every able-bodied person in the community at the town and county level, and then they are then part of the state militia. And that is what the founders expected of all of us. And because we don't have that, um, we're not fulfilling our responsibilities and our duties under the Constitution. So that's one thing we have to fix. And that's the whole point of our CPT program, is to start at the neighborhood level, because you have to have that. If you don't have a neighborhood watch, no cop's going to go do his job. No EMT, no firefighter, or or no militia man. Eventually, will be able to project out and go do his job unless his family is safe. So that's why you have to have a neighborhood watch. And so, right. to us, that's the most fundamental. Then the church security team is the next. And right now, we have ISIS, you know, targeting churches and synagogues in the United States for attack. So now it's a good opportunity to go in and grab the pastor and say, Pastor. This is real. It's a real threat. You have to fix this. You've got to raise up a security team from among your church and then get the churches to see themselves as what they should be, which is a place of refuge and disaster relief and charity in the community. That's what the church, you know, that's what the church historically was. And a lot of them have advocated that responsibility. They don't function like that anymore. 
And so they're not doing their job either. So these are the institutions we already have. Let's strengthen them. And then the third one, big focus for us, is sheriff's posses. Get a constitutional sheriff, then have a posse behind him of all the able-bodied citizens in his county. That is, to me, the very next best thing to a real militia again. And we can do that. All it takes is one good sheriff being elected, and then the people in the the county getting up off their couches and becoming the posse. Uh, Well said. Uh, Mr. Rhodes, we've got about uh, half a dozen questions from listeners. Uh, Can you stay a little bit longer after the next uh, break here? Absolutely, yeah. Happy to answer questions. All right. Perfect. Folks, you're listening to the Hagman the Hagman Report. Stuart Rhodes is our guest, oathkeepers.org. Bookmark that site. Follow them on Twitter. I, I love their Twitter feed. Just just go there, folks. Uh, Oathkeepers on Twitter. We'll be right back. See where we're at. to our final segment on the Hagman and Hagman Report. Gracious gift of time by military veteran Stuart Rhodes, the head, the guy, oathkeepers.org. And to me, this is a just a tremendously patriotic constitutional organization, despite what, uh, um, you know, don't make my blue eyes brown, or whatever Ms. Blue says uh, in her uh, research, but don't get me started there. My goodness. Before we get to Mr. Rhodes, let me ask you a question, folks. Have you thought about long-term investing? Be, because if, well, you've, you're hearing a common theme, are you not, about a potential economic crisis or the potential for an economic crisis? Obviously, right? Am I stating the obvious? Of course I am. But what about your long-term investments? What about your 401ks? Are they invested in the market? Is it just air? Let me tell you about PreciousTimber.com. PreciousTimber.com. I'd like you to go there and visit. PreciousTimber.com. It's, in fact, Alex Wilson, who's a great friend of the program, uh, will, will be, he's going to be coming back on to talk a little bit more about his initiatives. Uh, they have a, a two-day discovery tour. Uh, right now they're offering a two-day, two-night uh, timber and coconut discovery tour. In fact, you can go to PreciousTimber.com and, and, and click on, well, just scroll down and you'll see it. And you can inquire about that. Um, they've got an email address there at PreciousTimber.com for the details of the discovery tour. But uh, invest in, invest in well, I never thought you can grow money, but but basically that's what they're doing. You can invest in the people and the planet. Join in the PreciousTimber.com and generate a social and an uh, environmental impact uh, alongside a favorable financial return. You can invest in timber, of course, and invest in coconuts. And we've talked about coconuts before. Of all the things, again, when I think of coconuts, I think of Gilligan's Island, right? That's me. Uh, but the, the long and short of it is long-term investments up to potentially up to a 15% return. And you're looking at a lot of, uh, a lot of, a lot of people and organizations, uh, of, uh, high net worth. For example, Coke and Pepsi. They've invested in coconuts, believe it or not. 
again, a 15% return perhaps, potential? My goodness, who wouldn't? But um, for full details, and this this is something that you really have to really look at to really appreciate, go to PreciousTimber.com. That's PreciousTimber.com. One more time, PreciousTimber.com or ProfitsAndCoconuts.com or simply do this. Call 855-888-6288 to receive more information. Now, I'm required to say that this announcement does not constitute either an offer to sell securities or a solicitation to offer uh, of an offer to purchase. Offering made by prospectus only. Again, call 855-888-6288 or visit either PreciousTimber.com or ProfitsInCoconuts.com. It's a great idea, folks. Bottom line, great idea. And it's, 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 uh, when you, when you see, I'll tell you something, when you see their discovery tour, I want to go. I want to go. Can I be someone's date? Not, 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 not in that way. You know what I mean. Stow me away. All right. But again, our, our guest tonight is Stuart Rhodes, OathKeepers.org. That's OathKeepers.org. One of the biggest questions, Mr. Rhodes, we're getting from people all over the United States. I think we've got, at last count, I don't know, in the teens. And I'm going to paraphrase. Hey, I'm not a member of military or law enforcement. What can I do? You know, what can I do? Can I join? Can I help? Tell me what to do. Certainly, we... Well, we... we, um allow people to come in who are not prior service um, as associate members, although we also encourage them, you know, to go join your volunteer fire department, go join your search and rescue, your EMT team, become a reserve deputy, you know, become a CERT team member, there's all kinds of things you can do in your community, and whether you join Oath Keepers or not, I think it's important to do these things. Go become part of the first responder community. That way you strengthen your community. And you're also now on the inside. You're part of them, so you can influence what they do, and you also know what's happening. Um, Here in Eureka, Montana, where I live, we have an RCPT. We have two nurses. One of them became an EMT. Um, We have someone on search and rescue. We have two people in the fire department, local fire departments. My son's one of them. So we have, you know, we have um, put ourselves, made ourselves part of the first responder community so that we are able to, well, first of all, have credibility. We're walking our talk, and mm-hmm. we're able to influence what happens. We know what's going to be happening. We'll know what's happening in our, in our own county. So I think um, I encourage folks to do that, whether they join Oath or not. But if you do, then you can be a full member, because you're actually taking you know responsibility for your community. Um, but, you know, if someone joins an associate, we don't really treat them any different. We don't, we're all in this together, and we put them to work. They can come in, and whatever the skill set is, we'll find a place for them, and we'll give them something to do. Absolutely. Beautiful. Now, I know you're talking with John Robertson, and I don't know how much of this you want to address, but um, you've got eyes and ears just about everywhere, I think. Now, do you have any um, intelligence operations or initiatives that you might want to uh Talk about solicit uh, involvement for perhaps I, I I'm not sure you know go ahead well I mean we encourage people to do um, a good friend of ours is Sam Culper that's his pen name but he's uh, for Observer magazine and people people go to read fo magazine.com readfomag.com and for Observer magazine teaches you how to do your own 
neighborhood intelligence gathering, and it's important for us to uh, set up at the neighborhood and town level um, Patriot intelligence. So I think it's important for all of us to do that. But we do have a new trucker division, and that's our eyes and ears on the road. Uh, truckers uh, are, of course, everywhere in this country. Many of them are, are former military, and, and they're all patriots. So we uh, now have a division devoted, devoted to truckers and recruiting them as our eyes and ears. Um, and what we offer them in return is that if you're stuck on the road somewhere, we, you can call up the local Oath Keeper chapter for some help. And also, if you're stuck far from home during a crisis, uh, we will take care of your family. So we have an operation wow. called Family Safe where we, we offer to protect so far, we've done it with police and military families. Anybody who's under threat of terrorism from a, who's a you know current first responder will we'll protect their families. And we've, we've done this in the past, but now we're opening this up to truckers because we consider them you know critical personnel in, in our in our uh, you know in our movement. So wow. that's our pro code for them. You know, if they're willing to be our eyes and ears and report what they see, we have a new intelligence division that we've developed around the trucker program that is now in every state. And we have regional if folks go to oathkeepers.org forward slash forward slash trucker. They can see the map we have divided the United States up into regions that we have intel teams in each one of those regions in addition to the states. And their whole point is to help to uh, communicate with the truckers and find out what they know and pass it up to our intel analysts and then uh, of course also offer them aid and assistance so we don't want to see any more original Denny's you know if they're in need if, if we can reach them at all we, we will go in and extract them that's our goal man if, if uh, and I know ladies and gentlemen I know that we've got a lot of truckers who listen to this program and, and I know we've got a lot of in they're, they're, well they're they're all extremely intelligent aware and uh, responsible. No, no, he, this is great. So, okay, oathkeepers.org forward slash trucker, and you get for, for details, for information. Yep, you go there and they can learn about, you know, what we're doing and why. And, and what we're doing is we're matching them up with our communications experts who will then teach them, you know, how to ramp up their communications in their trucks. Now, a lot of them have... A lot of them have uh, CBs, but they we want to teach them how to use uh, HF radios, you know, the, the ham radios, so they can communicate even when, when it's grid down. Man, the, the, that's kind of like, I wish I would have thought of that myself. Um, yeah, fantastic. And again, ladies and gentlemen, if you are a trucker listening to this broadcast, or if you know a trucker, responsible, uh, and, and most of them are, obviously, um, Oathkeepers.org forward slash trucker for more information. What a great uh, initiative that is. Uh, another question here, and uh, perhaps we can wrap it up with this one. Uh, we've got uh, this. This is coming in. In fact, uh, more than one. Uh, Bob Maggie, I just want to salute you as well. Uh, asking about these protests, we've got we've got a lot of concern that. With the protests, or more accurately described, riots that we're seeing right now, will there ever come a time, Mr. Rhodes, in your view, if if this progresses uh, for foreign interventions such as the United Nations to come in to to uh, uh, to assist in quelling these uprisings and riots? Well, I think it's entirely possible that they might be foolish enough to try it. 
Um, you know, I attended Yale Law School, and I can tell you that a lot of these East Coast elites just don't understand how much the rest of the country um, loathes the United Nations. You know, if I said one thing in criticism of the UN, they'd look at me like I was crazy. So in their mind, they really believe the United Nations is this, you know, untouchable, perfect entity that they just worship. And so they might be stupid enough to, under, under their own hubris, to actually try to bring in UN troops. Um, if they did, I think they would see, you know, just such an overwhelming backlash from both the U.S. military and from all of us veterans and all the gun owners. It would just be overwhelming. I feel sorry for any foreign troop that came here with a blue helmet on. You know, life expectancy is, is can be measured in a matter of, of minutes. So I think that'd be an incredibly stupid thing to do. But I think Obama, coming from his own background at Harvard, I think he's just dumb enough to do it. <laughs> so we'll see. I, I hope he just simply, like you said earlier, just be a lame duck president and go away. Don't exactly. try to do anything stupid, you know. But, um, you know, it's possible. You know, wow. history is full of people that miscalculated and thought they had it in the bag, um, whether in warfare or politics, and then they, you know, step out and do stupid things, and then they get a bunch of other folks killed. So I just hope that they're uh, not that stupid. Yeah, you and me both, brother. Well, I'll tell you something. Our audience, and I've been, numerous emails, we're, we're kind of fielding a lot of uh, traffic here. Um, everyone is extending their not not just well wishes but prayers for you and your organization your safety and for future success and uh they're extending their thanks as well for all that you've done well, thank you and they continue to do and and uh my my friend i hope you won't be a stranger to the program i i, I just want to say thank you for your gracious gift of time tonight and thank you for all that you have done and continue to do for the patriots of, of this country. Absolutely. I appreciate that. Oh, one thing I forgot to mention is we are going to be starting a, you know, a college program now as well, and we'll be on college campuses. So I think it's time to go on the offensive and take back that ground from all the social justice warrior uh, freaks who have, you know, considered to be their own playground for far too long. So we look forward to watching their heads explode when they see Oath Keepers on campus. <laughs> Figuratively speaking, of course. <laughs> no, I know. I, I just, I, you know, I, I want to buy tickets to that. When is that going to start? They'll, they'll need, they'll need some, some kind of sheltering and, and trigger word therapy. Um, <laughs> as ASAP, we, we're going to be getting, now that uh, the election's over, um, we think it's the, you know, the time is right, like I said, to go on, to go on the offensive. So right. uh, within a matter of weeks, we, we'll be standing up student groups across the country. Beautiful man, awesome. You, you know, uh, you're a hero to many, and, and thank you, Mr. Rhodes, for all that you do. And uh, God, God bless you, man. God bless you, and, and for the initiatives. What a great thing with with the uh, uh, trucker initiative, as well as the college programs, and of course your webinars. Uh, we're gonna we're, we will continue to promote your your organization and all that you do. Thank you, my friend, for your gift. Thank you. God bless you. Good night, right. guys. God bless as well. Good God night. bless you too. That was Stuart Rhodes oh, of Oathkeepers. Huh? Oathkeepers dot com. He's the founder. Yeah, that was that was great. You know, you know something, folks. Um, like, like, go ahead and send him an email and thank him, or or Twitter, Facebook, whatever. Just acknowledge, uh, acknowledge him because I I think, 
I had such a wonderful discussion with him before the program. And he's such a reserved man, and he's such a, a very humble guy. Um, they're doing so much out there. And, you know, for all of the attacks that he's getting from these, these left-wing whack jobs and, and, and the, the bad press that, he, that they're getting, painting, incorrectly painting him and his organization as anti-government, for example, uh, it takes a hey, lot of crap. And he, he talked about that and, uh, when he first came on, you know, they take an oath to uphold the Constitution. Yeah, how could they you be a government to do that? Yeah, I mean, they don't, they're not on the offensive in any way. They're not, uh, taking a position other than upholding the rule of law and the rule and the laws of the land. Right. And they are, you know, basically labeled a terrorist group. Uh, I guess it's fitting when the 2009 Homeland Security uh, right-wing extremist lexicon lists the alternative media as domestic extremist with the definition of alternative media being any media outlet that differs from what is put out on the mainstream media. Constitutionalists are also listed on uh, that report as uh, right-wing extremists as well. Um, and then they, they try to, uh, justify it by tying it back to slavery and, and whatnot. Um, and you know, gun ownership, they have gun ownership as, uh, you know, if you are pro gun, you are, uh, you know, possibly an extremist. Hopefully with the Trump presidency, they'll be able to dial it back some and, uh, you know, stop labeling the American public, the majority of the American public, uh, you know, the Bible gripping, uh, gun clutching public as terrorists and, uh, hopefully we can have some healing in the land. But I, I'm skeptical about that, especially now as we see the intensification of anti-Trump protests yep. all across the country. You don't see Hillary Clinton coming out and denouncing the protests. And I heard, uh, a great commentary earlier. Think back to 2008 when Obama was elected president. Could Do you I imagine if people behave this way to the news of Obama winning the presidency? Yeah, going really. out in the streets, starting protests and being violent, you know, beating up Obama supporters or people who voted for Obama. There's a number of disturbing videos on the web that show individuals who supported Trump being targeted for group beatings. High school kids. Uh, even there's a one YouTube video where a mother throws her son out of the house. The son can't be what, older than years ten, old. Yeah, eight years nine, old ten, for whatever. Uh, voting for Trump in a mock election at his school. I just don't see where this is going to end. How this can even end well, especially when you have George Soros funneling in millions of dollars, busing people to and from locations of where they want these people to protest. There's a much larger agenda at play. Don't even know if Donald Trump is is aware of it um, or w- will be aware of it. Um, there was also the Republicans won the House and the Senate during this election cycle. They they held on to the majority of both the of ho- houses. And um, you know, there's a big question mark for the next two months of of Obama in power. What's he going to do? Um, Will there be some type of emergency to the point where, you know, martial law is declared or some type of, uh, 
uh, emergency scenario, state of emergency. The these are all important questions that uh, and are a reason that we need to keep our eye on. I mean, now's not the time to slack off. No. We no, the emails WikiLeaks is still are still releasing emails. Hillary Clinton cannot be let off the hook just because she lost the presidency. She still needs to be held accountable for her theft, for the bribery, for the murders, uh, for her her whole criminal mafia enterprise. And as unlikely as I think it is, they need to keep their finger on the pulse, just as we need to keep our finger on the pulse to make sure that we are continuing to uncover her corruption because so, if so, she's not held accountable she could okay run again in some capacity if she's still alive whether for president yeah. congress or other need to call a taxidermist for that but but that thought there we we got a number of emails as well asking the question about a Trump, uh, obama pardon for hillary and uh or can she be pardoned? And the answer is simply this. Uh, yes, Obama can pardon Hillary, even though she's not um, officially under indictment or right. charged. He can pardon her before she is charged. That's correct. For Now, only but for... I don't think he will. ...previous, previous crimin, cr- crimes. I don't criminal. think he will, because uh, if he pardons her, he is guilty himself of lying to the American public. He can't pardon himself. I remember the story with Watergate, though. You know, uh, you, you okay? You weren't obviously. Uh, you weren't around then, but you know that question was tossed around during the Watergate. Uh, you know, would would uh, because Nixon was not under indictment. Okay, so the, there was there was a question about Ford pardoning Nixon, which he had done, obviously. But, you know, with respect to Hillary. Now, you, but what you're saying though, Joe, is you, you don't think Obama would do it because it would expose his criminality? Is that what you're saying? Yeah. Uh, he is, um, guilty. He has, there are emails to and from, uh, Obama from Hillary Clinton's sure. private server and he lied about, um, his knowledge of that server saying he only learned about all this stuff when it came out on, uh, into the public's eye through the news coverage, and he is guilty uh, of lying to the public, and I think also sending sens- uh, classified information over unsecured uh, lines. Well, and I think the optics of a a Clinton pardon would look bad. However, um, you, if you weigh the optics versus the the alternative, they they may go for uh, we'll take a blow. Visually, you know, um, because the alternative could be much worse. Now, the mitigating factor to that could be her health status, which we still don't know. You know, isn't it interesting that we don't know much about her health status? Yeah, and I'm um, so curious as to... And who in the heck was that guy with the pen? Who's that black guy? That uh, You want his name? No, you know what? I, I... I, I I know the name. I know what who they say he is. But I guess my question is, and I've gotten literally hundreds of emails saying, "Well, this is who it is." But do we really know that for sure? And if we do, what's your source? Okay, that's my problem. 
Yeah, okay. and I've come across the name a few times. Yeah, and it's it's a, it's a weird name, but but I, I oh, but where did it come from? Where where did that information come from? Because Secret Service agents don't wear. He's not a Secret Service agent, okay. from what I've uh, received. See, again, I I've, I've so you're telling me that. Well, that this whole thing doesn't make any sense. But I guess uh, I'm just I'm just curious as to as to how uh, Clinton. Uh, what her health condition with status is, and there apparently there was a selfie taken with a, a neighbor of Clinton today, or th- yeah, no, yesterday, Thursday. You know that I think while that she was, was walking. A, do you believe that to be true that she was just out taking yeah, a stroll? I, I, you know something, I don't know what to believe anymore as it okay. relates to Hillary Clinton, her current activities. I'm gonna now, have who is activities? You see her. It's morning for Huma. Did you see? Go to HagmanReport.com. You can check out the pictures of her crying. There you I go. Posted them up there, there just go. during the show. Uh, Ola Dunta, Ola Danu, Datuna, Okanulao. He's an MD, uh, a neurolo- a neurology. Say that five times. Neuroscience Center of Northern Jersey. He provides a number of specialized care. He specializes in epilepsy clinical. <laughs> Neurophysiology uh, and sleep medicine. He uh, okay. So stop, stop. That's enough for me to say. Where's the media on this? If that is true, where do you expect them to be? Well, I They've know, I know, her. I know, I know, uh, I know. I guess that was a rhetorical question, but but uh, at any rate, look, folks, we only have about three minutes left of the broadcast, and I just want to say this again: number one to each and every veteran out there, God bless you. Thank you for your service. Your law enforcement as well, thank you for your service. And to each family member, thank you for the sacrifice that you've made. And just thank you. And, Joe, I know you and mentioned there's a special from American Survival Wholesale for, yeah, again, for their um, a package for go veterans. Go to AmericanSurvivalWholesale.com. They have the 2016 Veterans Day food special at a limited time offer. Also, with this special, there is a 90-day layaway plan available. You put $100 down, and in the next 90 days, you pay $269, the remainder of the balance. Mm -hmm. You'll get over two months of meals and save over 50% on this great assortment of some of your favorite foods. Email bugoutamerica at usa.com for details, or call Chance at 818 Seven two zero zero seven five nine. They do Again, a lot for veterans. That's American Survival Wholesale uh, dot com. The twenty sixteen Veterans Day food special three hundred and sixty nine dollars, and it equals uh, you, you save over fifty percent. Yeah, um, it's a good buy if you would buy it normally. And they have a layaway package, and there's a total of seven hundred and forty servings. Um, that's almost two servings for a dollar. You cannot beat that. No, anywhere. you can't. And ladies and gentlemen, in closing, I, w- I just want to let you know that we're going to be working all weekend. Watch because I, I intend to do a couple of oh, yeah. videos, uh, that will be up. Uh, we're going to be working, uh, on research, the WikiLeaks, the information coming out of there, connecting some of the dots. And I'll be on Dave Hodges on Sunday. That's, hour that's right. Our one Dave Hodges, the Joe Hagman will be on there. And I was speaking to Dave, uh, earlier again today about, uh, eyewitness accounts of, of, uh, foreign military. Look, you know, uh, if you've seen any kind of 
military action, especially foreign uh, troops outside of the norm. I would say email Dave Hodges, and, and uh, he's kind of collecting all that data. Um, but the last thing I want to say is I want to thank each and every one of you listeners and viewers what for your support. Yes. Um, your support was just, is just humbling. And thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you for your prayers, your notes of encouragement, your financial contributions. And uh, if I could hug each and every one of you, and I'm not a hugger, believe me, I would. Uh, so, but thank you so much for that. And again, please watch our website this weekend, hagmanreport.com, specifically for uh, research investigative reports as they pertain to the criminality and things that are taking place uh, with respect to the, the the riots across the United States. Yeah. They're going to grow. Yeah, they are growing. Um, I got some stuff lined up. I was going to post on the website. I posted a few stories during the show here, the one of Huma crying. Yes. Um, and one about George Soros funding the protest. But if that's the case, he is funding the protest. I believe that we will see more cities becoming involved in these protests. And there's even a video out there of protest fighting protesters fighting each other. Um, yes, that's amazing, right? Yeah. And, and folks, I, you know what? I don't like to see people cry. I don't. I, I don't like to cause people to cry. Nor do I like to see it. But I'll tell you something with respect to this Huma, uh, Clinton, this whole cadre of they're not criminals. crying because they're sad. They're crying because they know yeah. that they lost their opportunity to gain the power that they wanted to enslave the, this nation and its people. Special thanks to John Robertson, J.D. and Bridget, my daughter Jackie, Eric the Tech, who you can follow on Twitter, at RealTechEric, and of course, Lady the Studio Dog, who just is coming alive right now. If you can hear her in the background, she's actually inside my office with the door closed. Can you hear the muffled barks? Mm -hmm. Yeah, she's keeping watch. Thanks, Todd, at Global Star Radio Network. Until next time. Stay safe, God bless, and unless anything crazy happens over the weekend, we will see you back here on Monday. Have a good night.